So I want to get a little into the weeds here and the mRNA technology. When you and you and your your colleagues were trying to decide which route to go down, the traditional vaccine route or the mRNA route, you you write that um, it was quote most counterintuitive to go the mRNA route, and yet you went that route. Explain why. It was counterintuitive because Pfizer was mastering, or let's say we had very good experience and expertise with the multiple technologies that could uh, give a vaccine. Adenoviruses, but some of the other vaccines are. We, we were very good in doing that. Um, protein vaccines, we were very good in doing that, and plus many other technologies. Um, the mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive, and I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. And I questioned it, uh, and I asked them to justify, how can you say something like that? But they came and they were very, very convinced that this is the right way to go. They felt that the two years that, uh, of work on mRNA since 2018, together with BioNTech, to uh, develop a flu vaccine, uh, made them believe that the technology is mature and we are at the cusp of uh, delivering a product. Um, so they convinced me. I, I follow my instinct that uh, they know what they are saying. They're very good. And uh, we made this very difficult decision at that time. Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, March 17, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. That clip is important and you'll be, you won't be you will be surprised to find out that it's already been removed. It's already been removed from a suspended account, of course. Now you'll find it, it's out there. Somebody sent me that clip from something and clearly they took it from something, I'm not sure. But it's interesting that he comes out with a statement like that. It's sort of like, well, I'm surprised they chose this thing that they've all spent three years telling you was the absolute best thing we ever could have done. And we always knew it was gonna be great. And it was gonna, you know, the way that they've come over the top about this thing. And also making it clear that they came in and said, we're sure. Now, if we understand the way these things actually work, a CEO is not always the person who's the expert. He doesn't always know, he, he or she doesn't always know everything about the business. They just might have the business mind. They might have the, you know, who knows? So in a real world sense, the CEO tends to take the advice of the people underneath him that are experts. But for him to state that publicly is pretty unprecedented as far as I'm concerned. Because you basically came out and said, I don't know what's happening. They just told me it was the right choice and we took it. That's kind of what you can boil that down to. So from like a shareholder kind of business standpoint, it just seemed like a very odd thing to do unless he sees something coming and sort of wanted to lay that down. Or you, know, you could look at it two ways. 
my first actual thought about that was maybe he's not, maybe he doesn't really know what's all going on here. Cause it'd be strange for him to come out and set that tone. And then because that could bite him and you know, that could shoot himself in the foot later in the, later down the line. Nonetheless, there's a lot of ways you can read into that. He is admitting to you that this thing was a long shot. They knew it was a long shot. And now there's a lot of evidence coming out that shows you not only did they know that then, but they sort of colored this with what they hoped would happen. And that's exactly what Dr. Walensky pointed out. What, what's, you know, what, Walensky pointed out, and yet they're telling you this right now, that we just hoped it would be good, and, and yet now it's good? Well, no, it's not. And all the evidence is just a waterfall at this point, showing you that this is, at the very least, nowhere near what they were saying it was. And then, of course, ignoring all of the side effects and the or the effects of it and the problems and the deaths and the injuries and the hospitalizations, which we're going to touch on again today. Now, as I remember right now, see that? The good start. I'm remembering right out of the gate, that I'm that my goal today is to make this, I've said this before, but I'm, I'm deter, determined today to make this shorter than usual because it will be a very long one if I don't. So I'm going to, I started with that video importantly because it is important for you to know that we're going to talk about COVID today, but also that that's being stated and it's not really being covered a lot. But I'm going to start with some Ukraine stuff that I think is very, very important. We'll talk about Ukraine. We'll talk about the Azov Battalion and a point that apparently... The point that I've been yelling about for months now, but apparently I'm not articulating well enough because even people in my inner circle are like, when I explain this story today, we're sort of like, wow, that's crazy. And like, I've been talking about it a lot. And and this is probably my failing in not connecting these dots properly or making it very clear or speaking too fast. Who knows? But we're going to go over that to start and show you how that is a group that's funded by the CIA since 2014, 15. And we've talked about this already, openly funded. Except now it's, it's becoming a group they don't want you to recognize. So they've changed the narrative. But in the middle of all of that, what we forget, and that I've proven on the show, is that the Azov Battalion has an international wing in lots of different countries. So it's not a small little battalion. That's what it was when it started. It's immersed with the government. And its international arm in the United States is known as the Rise Above Movement. And I've already talked about this. That movement is the very movement that was pointed to as the sort of uprising of the white supremacy problem in this country. That movement is the Azov Battalion's international arm. That was the movement in Charlottesville that was pointed at Trump's administration, pointed at Republicans. So if the CIA has been funding this group, which we'll go over yet again today, and they're both admitting it essentially, and now there's even more documents, everything's coming out showing you this is the case. And we know that that was a group that at that time had funding and arms and directions coming from the U.S. government. And yet they're the, that's the group they pointed at to say there's a problem in this country, knowing they built it over there and brought it here. We need to start asking what's going on. A lot of you watching the show, you know that I've been pointing at that, but I'm going to try to make it more clear today. We're going to talk about that, talk about what's going on in Ukraine, the fake news coming out left and right from the U.S. government and everybody else at this point. But I'm going to prove to you that you are being lied to by the mainstream, by the Western press, just simply ignoring things. Not saying that I can tell you everything on one side or the other is completely true all the time, but when you can watch one group who is only looking at one side and not checking anything and ignoring literally anything that comes out from outside of that narrative at all, not to say fake or false or real or not, but just ignored, that's dishonest, however you spin that. We're also going to finish with COVID, the pandemic of the injected and what's really going on from the last UK report and a lot of other stuff in between. So let's get right into it today because it's so important to go through this as quick as I can. Now, this is the tweet that was deleted, suspended from the account. Here is the actual tweet that I found on the Wayback Machine that you'll see is here, but you can't really let it play. I'll include these for you to look at for yourself, where he said, I was surprised when they suggested to me that this was the way to go. And I questioned it, but yet you followed suit anyway. 
my point there making sense, but my nonetheless overarching point is they, who is driving this, right? They knew it was a long shot, but they were convinced. Convinced by what exactly? Because it seemed very clear even in the beginning that it wasn't that sound, at least that they were trying to get there. So what was the convincing thing that drove them to try the long shot when it had failed over and over and over and over? Maybe something we have been questioning from the beginning. Maybe some more somebody else driving this, pushing this, maybe some more governmental entities. Who knows? I could guess all day long. But what we should know for sure is that we were lied to. That the whole story about how everything was safe and effective and everything was guaranteed, you're never going to get sick or die or go to the hospital, lies. Everybody should know that by now, but people are still running from it. Now, we're going to come back to this COVID topic after we get through some important other discussions from COVID-19 or from Ukraine. And we're going to end on Ukraine with the biolab discussion, which, of course, I'm convinced 100% overlaps with what we're dealing with today. Very interesting. Hey, we got someone from UK in the chat. Nice to see you, Ashley. We're going to get to that at the end. Make sure you stay tuned because it's unreal. Unreal. Just a quick little glimpse. I can tell you right now that 94%, 94% of all the people over 80 dying in your country are people that are vaccinated. 94%. That is disgusting. The most at-risk group. And of course, well, I don't want to go off on the rail. I'll jump into it right now. I definitely want to talk about it. But we're going to start with this. We just talked about this the last show. Weapons disguised as Ukrainian aid. Now, this picture was just something I grabbed because it, it kind of was sort of funny that it's not really disguised as a bunch of bombs. But the point being is that this is a real story. And I haven't seen anybody talk about this. Andrew Fishman, thank you. I, actually, I, now that I think about it, I didn't ask if he wanted me to reveal his name. But thank you nonetheless, Andrew, for sending me this link. He found this and sent it to me. This is why open source investigation, like James Corbett, I feel is, coin, is the beginning point of that kind of idea, at least for, for, from my perspective, is so important to reference because that's how his entire show and work has been driven. You guys, same point here. You send me this, I report, we, I do my due diligence, I check it, and I report it, as well as my own research, obviously. But here is directly from the union's website of P, the PISA International Airport. We just talked about this. Again, the links and everything else is in this show. Here's what they have to say. Remember, this is a story that was already called fake news by the Western press. The, the, the same Western corporate press that are taking anything coming out of Ukraine's side at 100% face value because they said it while dismissing anything that challenges what they think is happening. And they're the ones that said fake news because we're, we're the media. We know, right? <laughs> well, here we go. Civilian and military leaders confirm the trafficking of weapons hidden among humanitarian aid. All the demonstration, and this is translated, on Saturday 19th, at the Peace Airport. So as I told you then, they're already planning a protest about this because of what was allowed to happen. This is pretty, un this is incredible. It's not unprecedented. It happens all the time, but the workers don't usually find out. And this is what they're upset about. The president of Tuscany Airport, um, airports, Marco Carrari, declares to the press, this was on the 16th, it was yesterday, that the transport of weapons from the Galilee, Galileo Galilee Airport, I think that's what the name of it was, will no, will no longer happen. He said, quote, I can guarantee it. So this was happening without his knowledge, which, by the way, right out of the gate, recognized when this is happening, don't pretend that means, like, that means they know something they're doing is wrong. If they, if they were just sending weapons to Ukraine, they're openly saying that. We're, we're like, we're sending weapons to Ukraine. I'll get to a point where Biden says we're sending them more military aid. It's coming from all over the world right now, even though that's crazy. So why then would they try to secretly get this one in? Because there's something more happening here. That's why there was explosives involved. There was some weird stuff going on here, guys. This was, in my opinion, something secret, kind of a possible false flag. That's just my thought. But here's what they say. They're, they're faced with these admissions. The questions they're asking them now are saying, there's a bunch of questions, but the two most important in my eyes 
How is it possible that a structure of the Ministry of Defense asks workers themselves who are unaware of the load being explosives, weapons to be handled and without any competence in terms of moving weapons and explosives to carry out this operation? I mean, think about how crazy that really is. What if they did something wrong? What if they put them in too hot an area? I mean, they don't know that these are bombs and explosives and weapons and who God knows what else. So these people are rightly upset that they were moving these things around and had no idea that they could have killed themselves. They don't care is the point. These are the good guys, right? The good guys that don't care about these workers that have nothing to do with this. This is what this is what the kind of CIA mentality from long before the regime change, the, the, the occupation, the false flags. This is what they do. We saw it with Guaido. We saw it with Venezuela. We've seen it with Syria. We've seen it all over the place. They're sending in weapons to bad people to achieve their end, and they're hiding it from you while pretending they're sending in aid. And guess what they're using for it? Your money. If this was a U.S. shipment, this doesn't appear to be, could be. But it goes on to say, there there remains the bewilderment and anger in the face of the deliberate and covered decision by the military leaders of the Ministry of Defense and Tuscana Air... uh, I think maybe airport is translation unmasked only by the civil conscience of workers who refused to load weapons on the cargo against this, uh, the cynical decision to cover the flights of death is what they were calling them under the aegis of humanitarian aid. This is one of the things they're most upset about. We will mobilize on Saturday, the 19th of March in two days. Please join them if you're able to. With the demonstration, quote, from Tuscany, bridges of peace, not fights of war. I think that's a translation. It's probably much more eloquent in Italian, I believe. We make an appointment uh, in the square of Galileo Galilee, Galileo Galilee, calling all sincere pacifists to participate. The point being, guys, they're calling these people out. You're not, if you pretend you're trying to, you're sending weapons to Ukraine to, for peace, you're sending weapons to Ukraine to stop Russia from waging war, you're a child and you're lying to yourself. You are the war. You are the ones creating the war if you're continuing to send weapons to the war from whatever side you're talking about. So this is just a dishonest, hypocritical stance because we've decided that fighting on one side of this is good and the other bad, which is the typical boiled down childish mentality of anything the U.S. government draws out. Left versus right, bad guy, good guy. It's always the same binary nonsense. They're, they're, it's possible that they're all bad guys, right? But we can't, we can't say these things out loud. And they won't even say that I say that because they want to pretend I'm a Russian shill. It's ridiculous. And everyone's beginning to see it. Now, here is something Robert just put out, which is just disgusting to me. There's a lot going on around the world. Israel accused, and am I, not I mean, they're being accused, but this is 100% what's happening. And it's easy. To, if you just look into this, it's not whether or not they're doing this. It's whether or not they're doing this knowing the Ukraine war will hide it. I think it's a no-brainer, personally, but they're definitely doing these things. Israel accused of exploiting Ukraine's war to attack Palestinians. The point is, their attacks on Palestinians have exponentially increased since everybody's pay, 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 looking over here, and especially since, and this is Robert's point, everybody is very clearly becoming aware of the double standard of the disgusting U.S. foreign policy, or rather the Western foreign policy which, by the way, has always been this ridiculous. People are just paying attention now. So Israel's going, well, look, they're not going to call out Ukraine for doing horrific things right now. So we'll just increase our attacks on Palestinians. They're not going to call us out. Of course they won't. They never did before. But it has gotten crazy. Read it for yourself. It's pretty disgusting. Now, just to make sure we see this connection as we start with the Azov Battalion, don't forget that rights groups back in 2018 and before were calling out the Israeli government for what? Arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. And it's pretty hypocritical coming from a group that calls anybody who calls out their overt crimes against anybody an anti-Semite. Don't forget what we've read in here before. 
that they've called them out more than more times before this even before the Ukraine. And don't forget, this is getting into the neo-Nazi discussion of Ukraine that they're trying to dance the line of right now, which is embarrassing. I right now think a lot of these Western press people that are just mindless followers are very clearly beginning to go, okay, wait a minute. Are we supporting neo-Nazis? This is a bad point to be at because they've just spent the last however many years screaming about how we're fighting that in this country and realizing now we're supporting them and now we're going to find out the CIA was arming them and even sent them to the United States. Oh, no. (laughs) They're not going to say that. Most of them will just double down and just hope they don't get caught. But some of them are just realizing that they're being manipulated. The question is whether they're honest enough to do anything different. Most of them won't be. That's why they're in these positions. But Israel has armed anti-Semitic regimes in the past, such as the general's regime in Argentina. This is written by Haaretz, by the way, just in case somebody in the podcast is calling me a racist right now, which murdered thousands of Jews in camps while soldiers stood in watchtowers guarding the abducted prisoners and their Uzi submachine guns. Now, look, just because they state that doesn't even make that true, right? Shouldn't we question what they're saying, too? Is it possible that's not what happened? They've used that. We always have to think about that. They lie about stuff. My point is not to say we take it at face value because Haaretz writes it. The point is to say this is what they were saying about what's happening here in Ukraine and just the Israeli government before we weren't allowed to say this, like in the context of Ukraine. Just think about how hypocritical that is. How can you call other people Nazis while you're arming white supremacist neo-Nazis? It's ridiculous. But they did this there. They did this before. They're doing it now in Ukraine. There's multiple examples in here. Now, it says the Azov militia or battalion was established in Ukraine following the Russian the annexation because of the openly voted referendum by Crimea to join Russia, which they always misrepresent. Here's what it says, though. The militia, which is still there today, in fact, entirely overtaking everything, their emblems are well-known national social swans as members are using Nazi salutes and carrying swastikas. Okay, so just it's so ridiculous how we have to continue to quote this stuff from old articles to show you that they already know this is the case as they now try to waffle about it. Now, that's not the main point today. The main point is to show you that that is what they are to this day, but also that they have been funded by the CIA since the beginning of the regime change in 2014 in Ukraine. And then that was been, that's been grown, armed, manipulated. And then the Rise Above movement, which was their arm, somehow found its way in the United States. And somehow that was used to create the impetus for the white supremacist problem. Isn't that interesting? Now, obviously, you could say, is that an accident, which is what they're going to try to argue? Sure. It could just be a byproduct of their clumsy foreign policy. I don't buy that, though, especially with how coordinated this seems to have been. Now, going forward on this. Oh, and just important couple points to make that, you know, this so it's clear. I don't know why this wouldn't be clear by now, but it just in no way am I ever suggesting that this represents every Ukrainian. I think that's very obvious, but just in case or every Israeli, or every Jewish person, however you're talking about this. I do not operate in absolutes. That's what binary thinking children do in their two-party paradigm. This is about recognizing there's a lot of nuance, a lot of gray area to all of this. Though simply when we're talking about the neo-Nazis and the government and the National Guard and all this stuff, this is the entity that's been placed and taken control of this by outside forces. I honestly don't even think most Ukrainians support what's happening because you can go back and point as I did in my last show to see so many different examples of the Ukrainian people saying we don't support this government. This is they just basically shifted out somebody and brought somebody bad in. Right. We got they got rid of the guy we didn't like, but the U.S. government put someone in place that's just as bad. All that's different is their names. That's what they've said before on the record. But we don't talk about that now because I stand with Ukraine. So obviously they arm them. The same people, by the way, we're talking about. So let's not let's not miss the crossover with the kind of violent tactics that they teach and operate with and openly conduct. So bringing this to 2019, 
again, we just talked about this. This was a letter written by your Congress, by 20-something different members of Congress who all signed this. You can check their names for yourself. And all of them are openly saying, this is a bad entity in 2019. And not only that, but they point to the Azov Battalion being connected to the Christchurch New Zealand massacre, which the person was tied to. And they also referenced the Rise Above movement in Charlottesville. In this discussion right here, Charlottesville 2017. So the point is that they know that this was connected to the Azov Battalion. So wait, we're not to the CIA part yet. Just making this very clear. So they're going, Mike Pompeo, Trump's administration. These people are bad news. They're neo-Nazis. They're openly talking about this. They're openly killing people in Donbass. It's all on the record. And they all knew this. And they were screaming at them, why aren't you addressing this problem? Okay. So whether that was part of the illusion or not, whether there's fake pushback or however you want to look at this, on the record, your government was saying the Azov Battalion are terrible. And not just, it's 2019. Read this for yourself. We're not talking about some small volunteer battalion. We're talking about exactly what we've already told you they are. Again, to this article. Now, for those that know, the reason I keep pointing to similar articles, like in this case, this Newsweek article, is not because Newsweek says it, therefore it's true. It's because of the, the interesting timing of this article. And I've already shown you a lot of others to go around this to, to bolster the point. But this was, as I've told, showed you before, January 5th, 2022, as, the, as Newsweek is literally talking about how they're drawing people fall right to do this. And yet moments after this, even Newsweek itself tried to walk all this back and say, well, no, there's not really, Putin's lying about the Nazi problem. And then moments after that, they were like, well, no, they do have a Nazi problem, but here's why Putin's lying. Just clumsy. Like it's just one day to the next, just trying to cover up their last lie. It's bad. But just to make it clear yet again, here's what they were saying. And not just Newsweek, but the expert, one of the leading experts on this exact topic. His name is Kuzmenko. As he says, 2014, since then, the revolution that was completely triggered by U.S.-backed people, snipers shooting people and blaming it on the other side, which I played that clip many times for you. It's directly, you can hear the, the different minister, I think it was the Estonian member of parliament or the minister tell, saying himself that they've proven that, they know that. And the U.S. representative goes, yeah, yeah, they know. It's all the record. Victoria Newland then later saying who they're going to put in place in the elected government, right? Because freedom... It's all on the record, guys. If you believe that that's not the case, then just you're lying to yourself. But since that regime change, the government, military, and security forces have, have all had battalions linked to neo-Nazi ideology. Now, it says he cites as a prominent example the Azov Battalion. And, of course, he says it's established by the Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior, who I just proved to you right up until I think it was 2020, the interior of the minister, the minister, of, excuse me, the Ministry of Interior was led by an extreme far-right entity that was called out for such. And they just kind of shuttled them out of the way right before this all started. Same difference, guys. Same group, same people. Of course, they were later transferred and included in the National Guard, the police forces, and plenty of other things. Right now, it is immersed. There's plenty of examples to show you. It's across the board. Now, Azo and, and by John uh, um, Scott Ritter, an expert on this, or I would say an expert researcher, in my opinion, absolutely has called this out as well, telling you that it's across the board. Before they were, you know, pretend removed, they had people in each one of these main positions. Now, it says via Azov's political wing, the movement has gone international. And they point to a Germany group. They point to a Italian group. But they also point to America's rise above movement. Okay, so the expert on the topic is telling you that this is their direct international arm in the United States. Okay, so if they were starting in 2014, the timing of what was happening in 2014 and 15 would matter if this is what they used to start what they claim is a war on white supremacy in this country, especially when that war is aimed at a group that you can tie back to the CIA, creating it over there and blaming it on you. 
Very interesting. Now, here is what we've pointed out before. Interestingly enough, the article is suddenly now no longer free. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because there's a lot in here coming from a CIA guy that basically admits, and you can read Whitney's article, I'll come back to in a minute. This one here. Al Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. Where she goes over what he's saying in here. I just find it very, very conspicuous that it suddenly goes paywalled after it's been around since February 25th. But, you know, just me. The point is, this is a, guy, a CIA guy saying the coming Ukrainian insurgency. This is before Russia had pushed into Ukraine. Right? So how do they know it's going to be an insurgency? That implies they're fighting back against an occupying force. And his point was, we've been building this insurgency for since 2015. Okay. So right there, in one example of how they're admitting that they've been in Ukraine training these people. Now, the point is, when you read the article that he's blocked out, the people they're training are the Azov Battalion, the Georgia Legion, the right sector. These are the people they're working with, and I'll prove that in a moment. So they're openly working alongside openly white supremacist neo-Nazi groups, the CIA. It's all on the record, guys. This is not new. Just nobody talks about it. So if they trained them then, grew this group, even if it was by accident, that group later became the reason they started their war on white supremacy in this country. Now, how do we not at least blame the CIA or the U.S. government for that? Sort of how we don't blame them for how they created ISIS or created Al-Qaeda, probably because they meant to, but we don't like to talk about that. So read this article if you'd like to pay for it. I hope you won't. Find, I, sh I should have found the Wayback Machine version of it. But basically, he goes on to tell you they've been doing this openly. Yahoo, Yahoo itself discusses how the CIA has been doing this since 2014. That's this one right here. I think I was going to open this one and I forgot. Dang it. There it is. Oh, this, that's right. Anti-war reported on this. Oh, I, I have it on the other article as well. But it says very clearly the CIA has been training Ukrainian paramilitaries to kill Russians since 2015. I'll leave this up anyways because anti-war is always doing a great job. But one former CIA said the U.S. is training insurgency in Ukraine. The program teaches Ukrainians how to kill Russians, although other officials downplayed it. Here is what we just showed you a moment ago. <clears throat> Western media before. Now take a screenshot of this. Go through and look at them. I showed you most of them yesterday, or some of them yesterday. They're all real. And they're all articles from before this started, basically saying there's a problem with this there. Now, ask yourself how that can go, oh, there's a far-right problem less than a year ago. And then the moment this begins, they, the first inclination is to go, fake news. There's no problem there. Putin's a liar. And then walk that back three days later and go, well, there is a problem, but Putin's a liar too. So why would they, because their job is to defend the narrative. That's what they're paid to do. This is crazy. It's, I mean, this is the second one I've seen like this, where there's multiple compilations. And then, of course, after February 22nd, that stands for Glory to Ukraine, which you're going to hear a lot of them chant and talk about, including the groups like this. Right, these kind of groups that are chanting through the streets saying, Glory to Ukraine. Sort of sounds like something you wouldn't, you know, like, like the point would be that's the kind of thing that they would lay at the feet of the white supremacist problem they claim is happening in this country. Right, glory to some, it just, it's an interesting overlap. Nonetheless, that's what they were saying. So I saw this article come out. This was yesterday. And I'll point out why I think it's a little bit kind of, it's, not this, it's just a little misrepresentative, misrepresented. But first thing I saw was I, I said, this article is entitled FBI documents reveal U.S. may, may have, which that's my, it definitely did. And it's not may, it's on the record. Absolutely funded Charlottesville rioters through Ukrainian neo-Nazi group. 
Now, if they funded the neo-Nazi group that then funded the rioters, that that's absolutely what happened, which, by the way, is verifiable. The documents show ties between Azov Battalion and U.S. rioters. Okay, this is so first, my, my first thought, as I just kind of briefly thumbed through it, as I've been loudly highlighting the open connection, not leaked, on the record, between the CIA, Azov Battalion, now immersed with the Ukraine government, and between the Azov Battalion and the Rise Above movement for months now. So I said, this is sort of odd. It's an odd thing. So did FBI leak these documents, and why would they have done that? It does not actually what happened. I linked to two articles here of many where I go deep into the conversation of the Rise Above movement tied to the Azov Battalion, the CIA, and the whole thing. But for as always, I recommend Whitney's article more than anything. Now, here is what this goes into. It points to old information, which is kind of why I feel like this, this whole article seems like it goes out of its way to make it seem like this is breaking information that just happened, and it's not. This is old information that's been on the record. I don't even know why they call them leaked, to be quite honest, unless these were leaked originally, but then later been covered publicly. I'm not quite sure. But all stuff we've talked about. Now, it says this means that funding of the Azov Battalion specifically designed for countering Russian Russian influence with Ukraine indirectly, and see, this is my problem with it, indirectly helped train one of the most prominent groups prosecuted after the 2017 Charlottesville rally. Now, this is quite an assumption, wouldn't it be? That's indirect, seeing, seeing as how it's like exactly what this whole plan has been to build this thing to then to tell us we have a budding white supremacy problem. And while they're saying that, the very people saying that are the ones that are also very aware they're funding this group over in Ukraine. Same people, guys. Same insiders, same State Department, same. They, they know what's happening. Especially if people are writing it on the record back in 2015, right? It's ridiculous. So my point is, it's not May. 100% this happened. It's just about whether or not you want to pretend that they did do it on purpose. That's the indirectly part of it, but it did happen. I don't believe for a second it's indirectly at all, seeing as how they've continued to build on it, even though this is now openly being discussed, right? It says, it is important to note that the Rise Above movement was heavily targeted by the U.S. government for their skirmishes with mostly white Antifa in Charlottesville, Virginia, and Berkeley, California. This was a huge thing. All the cars that drive, car people being hit, and the mar- the torches, and the the, the unite the right marches, I and mean, this was all cro- this was spread across the news as the biggest threat to our country at the time. The white supremacy they really pushed that at the time. Then it kind of went away, and we've seen them keep drilling that back in ever since. We have to remember how obvious that is. Now, is it possible that's a real thing? Sure, I don't see any evidence of it other than over there and what they've brought here. Not to say that there's not people that might have this ideology. I just don't see some rising white supremacist threat. As I said, I could be wrong. I just need, I always need evidence for that. What we do see is an obvious one right here. Obvious. It appears to be the case that now the U.S. government indirectly sent them a lot of money. Why indirectly? Right? I mean, ask yourself how that even makes sense. You could say maybe, possibly. But my opinion is the way this article is being written, it might be sort of a way to kind of lay the groundwork for how it was. Oops, our bad. But it's really Russia. And we'll make that case as we accidentally did this. That's where this goes. The Stanford Center for International Security and Cooperation published a detailed report regarding the connections between U.S. extremist groups and ultranationalist Ukrainian neo-Nazi groups such as the Azov Battalion. Now, the Center for International Security makes a really flimsy argument for a few people that went a long time ago. And I'll show you that in Whitney's article in a minute. That's the best they've got to lay us the feet of Russia. Now, the Rise Above movement hosted by Olina Semenkia, head of the National Corps, right, not some little small battalion, the political wing of the Azov Battalion, is, uh, with, she host, was ho- the Rise Above movement was hosted by Olina. Now, Olina, 
Oh, this was, but this first was the document that you guys can check it out for yourself that we believe we've shown before. Basically, just showing you that just based on the article itself, so you can see where sourcing, so you see where they're coming from here. This is their documents that are actually coming from Courthouse News. And basically, what it's showing you is that these people are connected. I mean, this is my point, though. I don't need this document to prove that. I'll just read it to you. It says, the Rise Above members during their trip to Germany, Ukraine, and Italy, that's pretty interesting that it wasn't just the United States, with Olina, I'll show you in a minute, who is an open, it's exactly, they were calling her out before, the leader of the International Department for the National Corps, which is a political party in Ukraine that was founded in 2016, out of a regiment of the Ukrainian military called the Azov Battalion. So you understand, this was built long, long after the CIA has been growing this thing. When they finally got what they wanted, they, they began the outshoots over to the United States and elsewhere. Based on my training and experience, I know that the Aza Battalion is a paramilitary unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is known for its association with neo-Nazi ideology and the use of Nazi symbolism, and which is believed to have participated in training and radicalization, radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations. Now, this would sound like what the U.S. government has been pushing if you didn't realize the CIA were the beginning of it. Right. Because in no way am I arguing that this is exactly what like I'm not suddenly going Biden's right. The quite the opposite. See, that's what a lot of people want to hear or just see the titles and think, oh, here we go. It's this is an obvious psyop. If the CIA has been growing this problem in Ukraine since 2014 and we can prove that the CIA and the United States government from before Trump, from, you know, from, from Obama to Trump to Biden have been funding and arming this thing growing this battalion, then growing their offshoots in multiple countries, one of which was the Rise Above Movement in the United States. So a trail of money coming from the U.S. government directly to the Aza Battalion, then directly to what they pointed at to argue that we have a white supremacist threat. This is a huge discussion that we need to make sure we're hearing. This is a, this is a false flag, the building of a false flag. Now, even if it got out of control, and that's not what they planned, when that movement then gets used to justify what they're using against you, it's the same difference. Because that wasn't real. They created this. They drove it into reality. Now, going back to this. And these are just the documents showing the money, the, the trail going between them and this person speaking on the record. And this, is, this is an FBI agent speaking about this, by the way. Now, here's Bellingcat, you know, a open propaganda outlet for the Western manipulations. So when, when they're saying it, you can at least rest assured that it's exactly what the government would want you to hear. So that's my point. Yesterday, we published a long thread back in 2019 detailing our new investigation. And uh, this is, it says, uh, where was the point here? New investigation detailing Ukraine's Azov movement's efforts to co-opt American white supremacists and extremists. So you see, this was what they were trying to build. Now, had we not realized the CIA had built this, wouldn't this look like a problem, especially when y'all going to prove to you that their plan was to lay it at the feet of the Russian government? That's, that's a false flag, at least a PSYOP. But the moment you realize the CIA built this, well, so, then you realize why Bellingcat was pushing it as something that stems back to a Russian agent. And that was the point. This story starts from an FBI report that details we're pointing out over here. Details how members of the U.S. neo-Nazi group Rise Above Movement based in California had contacts in Ukraine. Rise Above Movements were charged in, a US, in the U.S. for violence in Charlottesville during the Unite the Right rally. You see, the point is they were, they're using the same documentation because they don't want you to realize the CIA was part of it, that the U.S. government was part of it. That's the most important part here. This is, they were laying this groundwork in 2019, hoping that you would go, uh-oh, 
this is something that somebody else is doing. And this is a threat for us, the white supremacy threat. And then they're going to put the piece together for you and say, look, here's the problem. And they're going to point to the Russian imperial movement. Now, here's the point for Olina. Olina Semenkia was the person they were pointing out over here in regard to hosting the Rise Above movement. And it says she's mentioned in this FBI report as a central figure in the investigation. She works with the Azov and their international security and national core. So somebody they know, right? Like I, I, we could argue the FBI may not be aware, and it tends to be the case often that they don't know what the CIA is doing. But it's interesting, isn't it? This is somebody the CIA is funding at this moment when they're investigating her. She's well-known in European neo-Nazi circles and will be speaking at far-right conferences. Now, all I'm laying the groundwork for here is that these are people, as at least not even that I'm saying is the truth about them, who knows, but how they were framing them as right, far-right neo-Nazis, and it could be true. I'm just, my point is I'm not, I'm not even interested enough to look deeper into her at the moment. I might in the future. The point is that's how they wanted you to see her. And they wanted you to think about her in connection to the bad guy side but not realize the bad guy side was directly connected to the real bad guy side. <laughs> and so here's the point. We've already discussed this one. Whitney references as well. CIA may be breeding Nazi terror in Ukraine. The CIA has been secretly training anti-Russian groups in the Ukraine since 2015. Now here's the main point. According to a recent Yahoo News report since 2015, the CIA has been secretly training forces in Ukraine to serve as insurgent leaders. Again, they planned this. It's insert. This is what Whitney was talking about on a recent discussion. It, if you're planning an insurgency before there's an invasion, that means you're pretty. In, you, I mean, we're talking what seven years ago. We're going to really pretend like they knew they planned for seven years later that Putin would invade. Come on, they built an insurgency because they planned to drive this into reality. Now they 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 training for they train forces as insurgent leaders. In the words of one of the former intelligence officials, in case. Just in case Russia ends up invading the country, you know, seven years from now. Yeah, maybe. Current officials are claiming the training is purely for intelligence collection, which we already know isn't true. But the former officials who spoke with Yahoo said the program involved training in firearms, cover and move, camouflage. Now, given the facts, there's a good chance the CIA is training actual literal Nazis as part of this effort. The year... The program started 2015 also happened to be the same year that Congress passed a spending bill that featured hundreds of millions of dollars worth of economic and military support for Ukraine. One that was expressly modified to allow the support to flow to the Azov regiment. Now, remember this point, because this is what every mainstream outlet has pointed at, except saying the opposite. And here's why. According to the nation at the time, the text of the bill, and this is what we told you before, passed in the middle of that year, featured an amendment. That they added, explicitly barring arms training and assistance to specifically the Azov Battalion. On the record saying they're terrorists, so we need to make sure we don't give them weapons, even though you're giving weapons to Ukraine, which then gives them to the Azov Battalion. But the House Committee in charge of the bill was then pressured by who? The Pentagon. The Pentagon, months later, to remove the language, falsely telling them it was just redundant. Because what, then what happened? They then carried on arming the Aza Battalion while the rest of Congress had no idea, thought they weren't arming them. And to this day, CBS, The Hill, they'll all keep saying that they put in there not to arm them because we knew. No, you didn't. Because you guys are ridiculous fake news and you don't even care to do your own due diligence. You should, here's the nation reporting on it. You can check it for yourself. Congress has removed a ban on funding neo-Nazis from this year. I'm going to make sure I save this one because I couldn't find this the other day. 
It's, I mean, it's incredible, right? So why this is all a secret game. Sort of how you pretend these things aren't happening and then you quietly do them behind the scenes or you pretend you aren't arming them and you send humanitarian aid, which actually turns out to be explosives. This is what it looks like to create a fake war or rather create an illusion of what you want people to think is happening. Now, that does not imply that you wouldn't see the same thing on the other side. All I'm proving to you is this is openly happening. The 2018 FBI affidavit. Now, here's where that all comes from. Right. So that's why I have I kind of take issue with the way this article framed this, because it's from 2018. This was written on the 10th. But I'm glad it's getting out there. Don't get me wrong. I just I feel like they should have been more clear. Not terrible, but they should have been more clear that this wasn't new information. But the 2018 FBI affidavit asserted that Azov's battalion, Azov battalion, quote, is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations, including members of the white supremacist Rise Above movement, prosecuted for planning assaults on counter-protests. Uh, and it goes on to say that there was another point in here. And then well, the point was that, of course, that Joe Biden co-opted as a rationale for his presidential campaign. Don't miss how obvious that is. While it seems the perpetrator of the Christchurch Mosque massacre didn't travel to Ukraine as he claimed, he clear- and why would he say that? Why would he lie about that? He did nonetheless clearly have inspiration from the, he wore the symbols of the Azov Battalion. Now, where was it? I think it was a different article. The point nonetheless, and it says down here, Azov was incorporated in the National Guard. They're, they have had direct meetings with the Azov Battalion. The Rise Above Movement has had like Zoom and in-person meetings. I mean, it says it right there that they're they're directly linked. So the bottom line is that shows you exactly the problem when we can go all the way till today, all the way till right this moment, and recognize you have members of Ukraine's far right movement, the Azov Battalion, in training training children, civilians, old women, as you saw parroted as propaganda as positive things across the Western press in Mariupol on the thirteenth, right before all the chaos started happening that Russia says they're not doing. And people on the ground in Donbass have said the Ukrainians are faking things and hitting and bombing them and blaming it on Russia. And I've shown you the evidence myself. Now, yeah, they're saying the other thing from the other side, too. The same thing. But I am not seeing evidence to back it up. I'm seeing I'll show you some of the things they're putting out. And as many times as we've seen them continually caught lying, we should be asking if they're continually lying about everything. I don't know why we wouldn't. A child could see that. So here's the Azov Battalion today arming children and women, and by the way, doing so alongside Americans. Now, Georgia Legion is one of the main groups that people right now, if not the only group, as far as I can tell, because it is a battalion that they don't want to talk about, right, that people are going over and joining from UK, from the United States. Well, guess what, guys? The Georgian Legion, you know where that name comes from? It was a military formation of Nazi Germany during World War II. This is how stupid this all is. Now, yes, they're calling it the Georgian International Legion now, but I'll prove it to you. It's the same point. The right, the right sector, the Georgia Legion, I've already shown you this multiple times, are openly white supremacist neo-Nazi groups. These are leading groups within the Ukrainian military. And these are the groups that people are joining right now. And the Western press is at, it's bending over backwards, mental gymnastics, trying to make it not what we're saying it is. Because that's how ridiculous they are. Now, here's Military Times. This is as of March 14th. U.S. veterans head to Ukraine to fight, but Zelensky's legion faces hurdles. Here's what it says. We are still in the process of recruitment. Mamuka Mamulashivi told Military Times in a Skype interview. Now, his name is important. There are lots of guys joining us. We're talking about the Georgia Legion. So remember his name, Mamuka. This is the guy who is running the Georgia Legion. 
and everyone's coming to join them. On the list, there are about 750 men, mostly from Georgia and the United Kingdom. We have lots of Americans. Well, look at that. All of them breaking the law. It's fantastic. Mamula uh, Shivi leads the Georgian National Legion. The Georgian National Legion hopes to relive the Ukrainian military, relieve, excuse me, uh, of some of its logistical burdens and comes with organizing overseas recruits, but absorbing the 16,000 foreigners, including those ISIS members that all came over that we already discussed, the number that Ukrainian President Zelensky claims have volunteered will be a challenge. Flooding conflicts with foreign fighters can animate extremist movements or offer experience to already radicalized. Yeah, because we don't care, but that's okay. We're going to say that and pretend like that's important, but act, nothing's going to happen about it. So if Russia was doing that, which by the way, they're claiming they are, but there's no proof of it, they're calling that a bad thing. Oh my God, Russia's bringing an extremist and that's going to cause... Yet I don't see the same bleeding about that on this side of it. They just go, well, yeah, I can cause us to do that. But good freedom stuff and, and good guy stuff. It's just insulting to our intelligence how wildly one-sided these percept- these discussions are. If they're both doing the same thing, you can't just say, well, that is bad over there because Russia bad guy, but we're doing it for freedom, therefore it's okay. And that's all they ever do. And though the vast majority of fighters who travel to Ukraine will be, will be well-intentioned, how could you possibly know that? But that's what they write. But when they travel to Russia, we know most of them are bad guys. You see how that slant goes? It's just what they pick, they choose. It's not clear how many will be particularly helpful on the battlefield given language and training barriers. He says foreigners may be more useful in a propaganda role to signal global unity rather than frontline fighting. Yeah, that's one part of it. Also, the other part is what's actually being built there and how they're using this. He had connected with groups of like-minded U.S. veterans on Reddit. Now, my point here is interesting. I have no problem with any platform. Whether people want to name it right, far right, or whatever the nonsensical partisan not talking points are. There's people with radical mindsets on any platform you're ever going to go to. Now, yes, when they censor everybody and drive them into certain platforms, well, you may find an overrepresentation in some of those. But it doesn't mean that they are what they say they are. My point is simply that they have continually framed places like Reddit, Gab, and whatever else as, you know, honey, uh, uh, what is the term they use? Building, uh, the po- uh, shoot. Something pots, I forget what they call that, but they're just, you know, bubbling, growing areas of white supremacy and its problems, except when we want to argue that they're finding good people to go fight for Ukraine, right? So now they're good people on Reddit and coming together for good stuff. But if we even use the word Reddit before, ooh, white supremacy, conservative. It's, it's just childish how we just, on a dime, things are whatever narrative, narrative. That's all it is. Now, down here, it says a complicated factor in Ukraine conflict has been the presence of far-right paramilitary paramilitaries on both sides of the conflict, they say. Now, this is how they're trying to frame this now. Are we, are we really forgetting like 30 seconds ago, they were saying this was fake news and now they're going, well, yeah, they're on both sides, but here's why this one's worse. You don't get to just do that. You don't get to lie so people buy that right out of the gate and then water it down so it's sort of truthful. They do that. That's all they do. Why can't we stand back and go, well, they just said that was Putin's lie. How can it then be kind of true 30 seconds later? The point is, there's basically zero evidence. I'm not suggesting there's not a Russian imperial movement. I'm not suggesting that there's not white supremacists in Russia or so on. But there's basically zero evidence, one, that there's that happening inside of Ukraine, and two, that it's happening in the fight in Donbass. Could it be happening? Of course it could. But we need evidence to prove these things. And I love how people, they, they clip that part out when they want to pretend that I'm taking one side over the other. 
they just like to ignore the fact that your narrative on one side and some sort of evidence on the other. So we weigh them and look at one more than the other. And they go, well, that's because you trust one. No, because there's evidence on one side and there's narrative on the other. They just don't see it. Both sides of the conflict. But they go, such as Azov, which started as a volunteer militia and attracted foreign members, including neo-Nazis. And where's the rest of that sentence, military times? Started as, and now what is it? Ah, oh, we'll just cut that part out. We don't want you to know. Just remember the part where there's a small little volunteer battalion. No, it started as that. And now they're the entire country, or excuse me, the entire government, entire military. That's not to say that everyone in Ukraine is like that. Probably not even most of them, in my opinion. But I love how they cut it out. It eventually was absorbed into Ukraine's National Guard. And it's much more than that. But despite Russian's President Vladimir Putin's claims that his invasion is intended to denazify Ukraine. So you just basically said, yes, that is happening. But despite his claims that he wants to remove that, extremists like those in the Russian imperial movement also fought fought for separatists in Donbass. So what does that even have to do with what your point is? So because there are people in there fighting that have that ideology, therefore Putin can't be stopping this in this country? Like these are just, these are choices. This is not what journalism looks like. This is what you're choosing to take a line on because narrative says so. And it's infuriating. And of course, they literally make this argument about Russian imperial movement. Imperial movement. There's a picture down here that I think is supposed to kind of, but there's a picture of the Azov National Corps. In a rally against Russia. Now, this was March 14th. Don't forget the guy's name we just discussed. Mamoulashivi, the leader of the National Georgian National Legion, who everyone's going to fight with right now. Well, here's one you've already seen from our show. This is from 2019. Former U.S. soldier who fought with Ukrainian far-right militia the Georgia Legion, wanted for U.S. murder. Well, Frank Lang, who we've talked about plenty of times before, this is back when they were trying to make this look like we had a problem. Oh, no, they're, they're pulling the Americans over there to fight with the group that we funded, armed, built, and are now using to fight against Russia. But that's, you know, but Craig Lang, bad guy, right? They were this, they're trying to lay their groundwork for this narrative. And I think the moment that it got exposed, that this is obviously a PSYOP, They've kind of went quiet on that middle ground area, but it's already starting to come back out. My point is Craig Lang was, the, they killed people in Florida. He killed people over in Ukraine and we need to hold them accountable. And even the Ukrainian military was like, yay, hold them accountable. They were trying to make this look this way. You're telling me that the, the, the military we just pointed at that openly is carrying out ethnic cleansing is going to care that Craig Lang killed somebody? It's ridiculous. This was a psyop. My point, nonetheless, to show you that Craig Lang was there in 2019 or before fighting for these same groups. And they knew that. So why is it different now? Recognize on, the, on top of that, as far as I know, the last time I checked, Craig Lang is right now living in Ukraine with his family. As I understand it, he's got a, an ankle bracelet on, so I'm told. But clearly they want to get him, right? Two years later. Like, come on. The guy is being allowed to live in Ukraine. Something weird is going on. Now, Mamuka Mumalashivi, who is pictured right here, standing next to Craig Lang, commanded a group of pro-Kiev foreign fighters in the Georgian National Legion. So here he is leading the group that they're calling a far-right militia and who worked with somebody who they said is a great person and great whatever. I'm not even, even going to get into whether or not Craig Lang is what they say he is. And they're call, and, they're, and this is the guy that was on the side of this. It says, he said that, at Mush, Mushalivi said, uh, Mamush Mamulashivi said that after leaving right sector, 
another very openly white supremacist group, Lang joined his legion of foreign fighters. He called Lang, quote, a very good specialist. So my point is simply their narrative. Human rights groups have accused Azad Battalion of committing war crimes. Right. The point is, guys, this guy's leading the Georgia National Legion. The Georgia National Legion is openly the same thing. It's all very clear. Now here is what Whitney would, and this is where it comes together in Whitney's discussion about the the Russian imperial movement. I also find it really interesting that it was called the Rise Above Movement, RAM, and this is the Russian imperial movement, RIM. It's almost like you want you meant to see them as connected, even though they're not, as far as I can tell. As she said, the rise of the the Russian imperial movement, RIM, is alleged to support separatists in Ukraine's Donetsk and Luhansk regions since 2014, and has been described by the U.S. as anti-Ukrainian. Now, according to Stanford University Center for International Security and Cooperation, which is exactly what they also cite in these other articles, oops, the number of fighters sent or trained by the Russian imperial movement in the Donbass region is simply unknown. That's what they say in the article that they reference. Though one report states the Russian imperial movement sent, quote, groups of five to six fighters from Russia, Eastern Ukraine, in mid-June 2014. That's it. Following the first attack that Stanford CISAC claims that from 2015 to 2020, <clears throat> that the RIM have been, quote, building a transnational network. Interesting, right? Seeing as how that's exactly what we can prove the Azov Battalion funded by the CIA and their international arm did do, verifiably. And they were going, but they're doing it right now, but we can't prove it. You see the groundwork they're trying to build? Their success in that endeavor is based on simply reports that are of dubious authenticity. As always, their alleged role on the side of separatists, the Donbass discussion, in the Donbass region has been used, of course, without evidence, by U.S. think tanks to argue that the rise of the, the, RIM, the Russian imperial movement to argue that Russia's government plays a major role in what the transnational white supremacy issue due to a mutual affection between Western white supremacists and the Russian government. That is clumsy narrative. That has nothing other than narrative to support it. And yet we dig in just barely, and you can clearly see that they are trying to build this to throw at Russia and you. If you're on this, if you're a conservative, I guess, or whatever they want to name somebody who's on the other side. Now it says, however, what just security fails to mention is that Russian imperial movement has vocally opposed and protested against Putin's government, has been labeled an extremist group by the Russian government, and has even had its offices raided by Russian police because of their opposition to Putin's leadership. Now, just like we can point on the other side, the U.S. government it's at some point was calling them terrorists, the Azov Battalion, and, and they were always supporting them. So it could be that there is a manipulation happening on that side, too. We should be honest about that. But what have I been saying this entire time? We would need evidence to talk and prove to prove that. On the one side, we have endless amounts of evidence showing that they very clearly armed, funded, and have been growing them since. On this side, what do we have? We have the evidence that they protested against Putin. We have the evidence that he raided their op, tried to shut them down, and so on. Evidence, they, the, I guess, the allegation from Western people that they sent people they never proved and somehow are building an international outlet from that. It's just pathetic. I mean, really is. It's, it's, it's a hollow narrative that they're driving in still. 
Notably, Just Security's advisors who are pushing the line that they're the big focus, they included people like former CIA Deputy Director and Event 201, Event 201 participant Avril Haines, as well as none other than former Deputy, Deputy Chief of Staff to Hillary Clinton at the State Department, Jake Sullivan. Haynes and Sullivan now serve as Biden's Director of National Int- Intelligence, of course, top intelligence official in the country, and Biden's National Security Advisor. No, not suspect at all, right? Well, that's the point. This is where we really are, that these groups, the Georgia Legion and plenty of others who are literally right now bringing people over, right? People are fleeing over there to join the, the Georgia Legion right now. I mean, th- guys, this is the point. This group, I forget if it even says this in this one. In Mariupol, we already discussed the Azov Battalion, but there's also the open videos we've shown you of Americans on the ground alongside the Georgia Legion training right in the open. So ask yourself when they're pushing this idea that it's, that it's okay, these are good guys going over to fight with the right people, recognize that the Georgia Legion is exactly part of the problem that they're building, that they're arming, that they're funding, and they're just trying to hide it behind the one that we already are pointing at, the Azov Battalion. Now, this brings us to this discussion. This guy, who we just just reported on, apparently has set something off. And I'm glad he did. And we got plenty more than just what he said. But what's interesting to me is that this guy said something that has challenged a lot of people's mindset. And so all of a sudden, like within, within a, apparently within a day, we had two other people who somehow, somehow got attention of this all the way over in Ukraine and made videos saying, he's not telling the truth and here's the truth. Now, we should take that, we should consider it. Of course, he could be lying just like they could be lying. But of course, what happens is people that want to believe one side, believe one and believe one, believe the other, believe the other. It's a choice. It's a game. It's politics. Now, I'll give you my opinions on what I think is more valid based on what I know, but I'm going to play this again for you. Let you listen to what you have to say, and then I'll play you the counterpoints, and we'll go through this. Now, this person went and joined the Georgia Legion. So too are the other ones. So let's take a listen to this. Any of those who are wondering what is going on, all right? We were part of the Georgian National Legion in the 102nd Ukrainian Territorial Defense, okay? Our base got fucked up. The base right next to us got fucked up. Americans, British, tons of... Earmuffs. Apologies. He cusses. British dead. Right? They're not saying nothing. They're counting our dead as their dead. They're trying to send us to Kiev with no fucking weapons, no kit, no fucking plates. The people who are lucky enough to get weapons are only getting magazines with like 10 fucking rounds, okay? When they wanted to send us to Kiev, we said no. Our whole group, a bunch of Americans, Canadians, British. So they told us we had to get the fuck out or they were going to shoot us in the back, all right? So me, this British guy, and another American, we fucking hid in the back of an ambulance to get out. We we got to the border, and it, it was a whole nother mess. When you get to the border, anyone who has kit, anyone who has any military shit, they're fucking pulling you out of the line, and they're sending you back to the front. This human, we got dropped off about five clicks from the fucking, uh, from the border, and we walked. For someone in the chat, uh, and I should clarify this every time, because I know it can get confusing. We're talking about Georgia as in the country. The Georgia National Legion is a group inside of Ukraine that's, and that's just the name that they use, just so it's clear. They're a Ukrainian entity, but they call themselves the Georgian Legion or now the Georgian National Legion. And we're talking about the country 
but again, it's Ukrainian, so it's not it's confusing. But it's not represented. It's not meant to tie back to the the state inside the United States, rather the country, and then the legion that was from the World War II Nazi situation where they called themselves the Georgian Legion. Um, and we get to the border in this humanitarian group with a bunch of ex SF veterans from England. Uh, pull us to the side and say you need to get like pulled us out and fucking like hit us. And they were like, you need to dump all your kit. They're pulling people out, cutting up passports, sending them back. So we dumped our shit. We got like in all of our fucking, we got in like Red Cross vests and they had like fucking humanitarian passes to get us through the Ukrainian border. People need to stop coming here. It's a trap and they're not letting you fucking leave. The best way to leave is like in a Vic or a car or something. People who get on by vehicle have a better chance of hiding their fucking kit in the back, doing whatever the fuck they can, but do not try to leave Ukraine on foot if you're a volunteer. It's a mess. And it's it, it's a trap. And I have multiple people who can confirm this story for me. Now, this guy, he I forget, his alias was Henry Locke, is what he posted this under. Well, let's go through some other information before we get back to, I'm, I'm going to show you local news representation of him so first of all to make very clear this guy is not you know he did go and he's a real person now i wasn't able to find that in reverse but you guys can do the same for you i had more time by the way on this to make that clear because i've already i was already looking into this guy before this other counter side of the story came up now here's what we're seeing <clears throat> now what's interesting to me <clears throat> is just, this is exactly the problem with western press this is cassie dillon Casey Dillon reporting on Poland and Ukraine for The Hill, Wall Street Journal. All right, so the point is Western press, Western corporate press. Now, she's posting a video. This says, video statement just provided to me by an American working with the Georgian Legion of Ukraine. So, somebody inside the Georgia Legion, which, by the way, she's even just calling Georgia Legion because that's what they call themselves. So, it's, to be clear, that's exactly what it is. They're even directly coming from the name that was used as a Nazi Germany formation. That's amazing. These Western press people can't wrap their mind around how they're openly funding and, or, and working with the very thing they think they're fighting. It's pretty embarrassing. But my point is she gets a video. And so that's the truth because it counters what you knew wasn't real. Like this is a choice. You're choosing to take this guy's word over the other guy's word. Why would you do that? Because you've chosen a side. Now, when we covered the other guy's discussion, I didn't say 100% we know this is real, but we do know what he's saying seems to support what a lot of other people have been saying. People like Patrick Lancaster, people like Eva Bartlett, people like Vanessa Bealy, plenty of others on the ground that we reported on. Plenty more we're going to show you right now. Now, yes, all of that could be fake, and we've always said that's possible. My point is that this is what Western press does, the corporate press. They just choose a side, right? There, of course, are WMDs because that's what we're supposed to say. Some of them even make, I mean, it's just embarrassing that they continue to pretend like they're in the know. So the openly white supremacist Georgia Legion sends them a video and she posts it. He says the recent viral video about the American volunteers getting their passports cut up is false and that they were kicked out for failing the vetting process. Now, could that be true? Of course it could. And we're willing to consider that side of it. But what you're going to see is more information that seems to sort of challenge the overall point. Listen, listen to this one first. Hello, Harrison Josephowitz here. Uh, Georgia Legion here. Georgia Legion. What we can say is whatever may or may not be circling right now from Henry Locke, it is completely false. Whatever may or may not be circling, 
like I, I didn't even pick up on that the first time I listened to that. Whatever may or may not be circling, circulating is all false. So what's not circulating is also false. Now, sure, he could have just said the wrong thing, but I find that to be a little weird, don't you? So whatever, anything you're going to hear that we think is wrong, it's all false. Everything's false. <laughs> Hello, Harrison Josephowitz here, uh, Georgian Legion here. What we can say is whatever may or may not be circling right now from Henry Locke, it is completely false. No threat ever was made by the Georgian legions as us, as a humanitarian organization working directly with the Georgian legion was ever threatened. No Georgian legion ever threatened us with a rifle or anything of that nature. Okay, so he could be, I mean, there's I, I, my first point would be simply that that could be true and he could know that. But does she know that? And and does does this guy have access to every single encounter that Henry Locke had with these groups? It seems odd to me. I just this feels wrong. The timing of it, how fast this was put out, seems weird to me. The leader of the Georgian Legion, Mamuka. Okay, there, right there, the leader of the Georgian Legion, the person we just showed you who worked alongside the right sector, who worked with Craig Lang, who is literally with the Georgian Legion, who who leads it, who is just an open white supremacist group. That's who this guy is with, and he's right now saying, no, 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 they would never do the things that we know they've done a lot over the years, right? I mean, come on, guys, I, I, whether this could be real or not, the point is simply that the history around the group that they're, he's standing with right now makes it very clear that they're capable of doing that and have done it before. But, but apparently that's not, but just, I take a side because I'm Cassie Dillon working for Mainstream Press. I had a conversation with him. I, I expressed my concerns for my humanitarian organization that the military base that we were using that they offered to us was not the best place to have a humanitarian non-combat element. Now, yes, there is a part of my organization that we can get into contact with direct action groups if that's what they want to do. So with that being said, we came to the agreement that it was best for both of us that if for us to move off the Georgian Legion military base. With that being said, we still have a very, very professional relationship with the Georgian Legion. We have plenty of shipments of everything that they've ever needed coming in. I can't give specifics for OPSEC, but yes, we do have, we're, we're still giving them loads and loads of gear, armor, medical supplies, everything. The only slightly bit of truth to it was a Georgian Legion contract of three months, and that was it. It's, it's no big deal. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it really makes things look bad here because we have a vetting process and himself, Henry Locke and another individual, they did not pass our vetting process. And this is in direct retaliation to them being rejected through our vetting process. Right. So you mean the process that brought them to Ukraine? The process by which brought them inside the Georgia Legion, and then they were shown to, I mean, come on, like, certainly possible, right? But wouldn't you argue a vetting process would take part after they're inside the Georgia Legion, after they're inside of Ukraine? Like, the point is, they go to the, this guy who we're going to talk about, he went to the Washington, D.C. embassy for Ukraine. That's, I'm going to prove it to you next. My point is, that is where this would happen. That's where you vet somebody. That's where you go, okay, do you have this, this, and this? Okay, we'll send you to Ukraine, which, by the way, is what happened. So right there, there's a hollow part of his story, and I'll prove it next. And that is exactly why we have a vetting process to stop this 
are those kind of mindset people from from getting here? Wait, wait, wait. What is he saying? Those kind of mindset people? What is he trying to imply right now? Being rejected through our process. Individual. They did not pass our vetting process. And this is in direct retaliation to them being rejected through our vetting process. And that is exactly why we have a vetting process to stop this or those kind of mindset people from from getting here. I th- This is important. They're without say, here's the important part about this. Casey Dillon is willing to share this without any due diligence. What group does he work for, right? I guess he just leaves that out. Isn't that important? My group, he references many times. She doesn't even care to point that out. What is his group? Is he official? Is he there a part? I mean, that matters, but not to her apparently. Or how about the point that you're suggesting there without saying it, that this guy's a bad person, that that kind of minded person. Why don't you, what is he talking about? Was he a racist? Was he a white supremacist? Well, why wouldn't they work with him if that's essentially what they are? And it's open and obvious. The point is, this is a, this is, guys, my gut, this is a, why, this is obviously manipulated. My opinion, and it's my opinion, be very clear about that. This came out too fast and it came out right on the heels of this. And what he's saying there not only doesn't back up the fact that he went there and was already vetted and sent to Ukraine by the Ukrainian embassy, but that he ends up trying to frame it as, oh, we vetted him once he got here and it turns out he's, has a certain mindset that we don't like. Something doesn't smell right. This, to me, is trying to make the argument that we aren't allowing the bad guy, bad guys to come over. That's only on the Russian side. That's what's going to happen, in my opinion. This is what he says next. The whole border crossing thing, with that being said, the whole border crossing thing, we have had people that have crossed the border and have had no issue with getting themselves and military gear back into Poland. That is, again, 100% completely false. They are not. I just don't like those subjective arguments he's making, right? I mean, so we haven't had this. Is this guy really pretending to represent literally every single person in this base? Every single person in the gigantic Georgia Legion? He just knows that nobody anywhere has had this problem? You can't just make statements like that. So he, my opinion, that screams, I've been told to say this, or I want to say this because I believe in what this group is doing, or whatever. You can't honestly pretend to speak on behalf of literally every person, that everyone anywhere in this group have never had an issue on the border. That's just dumb to me, right? I mean, come on. Cutting up passports, they are not doing anything of that nature. If you have a foreign passport of any kind, you can freely move between the open border. Oh, and one more thing. They said that our base was hit. Well, I'm still here. Uh, and so are the multiple amounts of... Right. And, and, you know, I'm not even getting it. That, that point, I'm not even addressing. But my what's interesting to me is you're still where? On your phone somewhere? You see what I mean? Like, how, at how many levels are we just blindly taking things at face value? Could this not be fake? Because the CIA capable of that? Of course it could. So because he says he's there and look behind me, you can't see. And he's not even showing anything. My point is, guys, this is just because he says it. And because people are desperate to say, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I want that to be right. And I knew it. He said it. So I'm going to agree with it. Which, by the way, is not what we're doing on the other side of this. We are questioning what the other guy said and making sure we verify it with things around it. But this person continues to say the Georgian Legion and the Ukrainian Foreign Legion are different. The Ukrainian one requires you to commit until martial law is over, right? Because martial law is also the important point to understand. That's not what's happening in Russia, right? They just declare martial law because that's a normal thing that they're going to build further into the lockdowns. And we're going to get into that part of Ukraine, the the new digital passports and everything else that's happening there because it's totally not connected to what's happening with the Great Reset. 
but she's going, they're different things. One of them makes you stay forever, and they, or until they tell you to leave. Like, it's a volunteer. So the argument is you're not allowed to leave if you join the Ukrainian one. That's what she basically says there. You commit until martial law is over. It's volunteer, I thought. Interesting. The Georgian one requires six months. But their commander just told me that you can leave before then if you sign a release and return your weapon. Oh, cool. So she asked the guy who he's accusing of doing bad things. Did you do bad things? She said, nope, didn't do them. They're allowed. Okay, good. Fact check. That's a fact check by the Western press today. Hey, FDA, did you say that? No, I didn't. Okay, you're a liar. That's fact check. It's opinion check. You ask the person they're accusing of a crime. Did you do the crime? Nope. Okay, fake news. That's foreign policy. That's medical. That's anything you watch in the Western manipulated world. He says, yes, he misspoke in the video and said three months, but I confirmed it as six. Oh, cool. So he lied? He casually mistook? I mean, are we going to pretend that that? Come on, guys. He was absolutely certain. Ah, six months and we know it. Okay, so was he wrong? He could have made a mistake or that there's more going on here than we realize and there's a narrative being spun. Another video posted responding to the viral video, this time from the guy next to Henry in the video. Okay, well, this is going to be an important one. And this guy's name is Mike Dunn. Hey, guys, it's Mike here. I'm going to address the video in person while I've got a moment. Uh, I haven't made a video in a while, so this is a video I can make. Um, address it in person, the video that was made that went viral. It was made by Henry. Went viral about the Georgian National Legion uh, and supposed passports being torn up. You have to excuse me. I'm pretty sick right now, but I am alive. I'm tired. Uh, I've been in and out of Ukraine uh, <clears throat> twice in the past three to four days. I lose track of time, but I am with a local militia unit. I cannot reveal much information concerning that, but I've had no issues with my passport being torn up. So it's- yeah, just the only the only issue is that you're working alongside openly neo-Nazi white supremacist groups that the U.S. government and the CIA have funded. Right. That's no big deal. That's we've already gotten past that, right? That's no big deal. We only care if the door they lie about whether they're cutting passports. No fake news. But it's okay that they're right now working with this open group that's out openly committing ethnic cleansing. No big deal. Speaking for myself, um, I've had no issue with that. The Georgian National Legion never threatened to kill me or harm me in any shape, form, or fashion. Once again, I can't illegitimatize. Uh, Henry's story 1,000%, but I can say from my own perspective that it did not happen to me. Well, at least he's being honest. Point being is that, well, I didn't see it, but it definitely could have happened, right? So again, this is it's just interesting to see how this is, they're choosing to believe that he's lying just because they don't want this to be the reality. Now, you can watch the rest of these for yourself. My point is the same, the same discussion. That I didn't see it. I'm not there. It's not the reality. Blah, blah, blah. Now, it could be true. Now, here is the, just a bit shoot video of this of this guy with his, both of them together. Now, just on a quick side note, remember all those cringe vaccine songs making their way around the Internet? All those dancing, clapping videos and then the montages and different things. Not the nurses, but the ones that people making those weird videos where they TikTok and whatever else. Well, there's a chance that you got paid $75,000 a piece for those videos. Yeah, I bet you're not shocked about that. You can read this for yourself. It's very apparent. The point is, I mean, I think it was I th- another article I just saw was something about the Biden administration paying a billion dollars so far to propagandize you about vaccines. It's your money. My point is that they pay for propaganda all the damn time. So I don't know why we wouldn't ask whether that's happening now. From both sides, for that matter, that's important. But right now we're addressing the Western corporate press who's regularly lying to you. I just, I, I, those, those videos were creepy and they were paying for them. 
So ask yourself what they won't pay for. Now, here is the article from the 6th, I believe, discussing Henry Locke, which his name was Henry Hoft, I guess, and what they wrote about him before they changed the article. Henry Hoff was browsing Facebook on February 26th when he learned that a Ukrainian government had formed a voluntary military unit for foreign fighters to join the war against Russia. So it's interesting that this is who they're talking about. And so what's interesting to me is that, at the very least, you can very clearly see a story, a backline. Like, if this guy was going to go over there for some kind of a psyop and lie about this for some reason, it'd be odd that they would write stories about him going over there and change it after the fact. Now, it could be that he went over there, as this guy is saying, and, and felt you know, Jade or felt, you know, that they did him wrong somehow. And so he responded by lying about them. That's certainly possible. But I want you to consider both sides of this and realize that on one side of it, we have kind of an interesting storyline here. And then his statements that you can't back up one way or the other. Then you've got people that came up after the fact, which I haven't been able to tie back to except the Mike Dunn guy, which I'll show you next, which is interesting. And so ultimately... I asked the question of why, again, it's always the same point. Why people, why would we choose to take one over the other? Henry Hoff was browsing and basically went to join the war against Russia. Now, the point about this, the embassy is important. Submitting a passport copy and proof of military experience is all it takes for American citizens to join the newly established International Legion of Territorial Defense of Ukraine. All right, so apparently their vetting process is pretty damn simple. Interesting, right? And Hoff applied with the embassy of Ukraine in Washington, D.C. right away. That's all it took, guys. So he applied, proved his citizenship and his experience, and they flew him to Ukraine. That's the vetting process, guys. Before the end of the day, the team had booked their tickets to Poland. To Poland, mind you. A lot of interesting crossover with Poland where they pretend like, oh, if, if they do anything to Poland, we're gonna, it's going to start everything. Well, they're trying to make them do something to Poland. That's the point. Flying in ships and flying in, or flying in planes and bringing in people through Poland, weapons. I mean, it's all happening. It's open provocations where local coordinators would bring them across the border to fight alongside Ukrainian soldiers, which is what happened. More than 3,000 U.S. citizens have reportedly applied with hundreds arriving in Ukraine. Realize how gross that is. We're talking about the people that we just pointed to, and they're okay with that, that the CIA has been building since 2015 right in front of us. Hoft paused his aeronautical engineering studies at Muskingum University, took a leave from his job as a quality technician and started to pack up for his upcoming month, trip Monday. So it's very clear at this point, they want to sound like this is a good guy. He's a good person. Good job. And he's fighting for you, right? In his travel bag, a picture of his five-year-old son. Clearly, they want you to like this guy. That's how the propaganda works. Because at the time when they wrote this, they want you to go, yeah, he's fighting for a good cause and he's doing it because he likes freedom. American volunteers like Hoft are entering a war zone amid dubious legal grounds and discouragement from their own government. Yeah, the point is that even the U.S. is saying you shouldn't go because they're going to leave you high and dry if they want to. Making the matter even more complicated are the legal ambiguities that come with working for a foreign armed force. Now, to be clear, plenty of members of Congress are screaming you should go fight for this this, this openly white supremacist group. But on the surface, they're going, no, 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 don't do it because that's not okay. It is, quote, not a crime under U.S. law for an individual to go abroad for the purposes of enlisting in a foreign army. However, a violation of law may occur if someone has been recruited or hired in the U.S., according to the State Department. Oh, so then literally everybody. Got it. Every single one of these people has been recruited from the United States or from the U.K. or from their home country. So basically they go, oh, not a crime if you just go on your own accord. But every one of them are being enlisted. 
by whoever's it. This is crazy to me that the UK has even stood up and said that's an obvious crime and they're letting it happen anyway. Members of Congress, members of Parliament on either side are, are encouraging it. Never seen such an obvious psychological operation in my life. Now, he was as he was driving, he got a call from an FBI agent advising him against traveling to Ukraine. Think about that. Quote, he told me that I am in no way having have the support of the U.S. government while I'm over there. And if I get in any trouble, I just need to call the embassy. Now, I wonder if the other ones got calls like this. Just curious. Are the FBI calling every American going over there? I find that to be almost impossible. The reason I feel like we're doing the right thing, he says, in this conflict, that there really aren't two sides of the story, he said before he went. There's bipartisan support for Ukrainian people and support across countries. For me, that's evidence that we're doing the right thing. This guy was taken by the propaganda. Very clearly. If that's actually what he said and actually what he meant, right? Maybe that's part of the side. The point is, nonetheless, that he's saying that there's only one side. That's not true. There's only one side being spun in the Western press. So he goes, this is what happens when people who think there's only two sides to a story. And when you see both the false left and false right, false right pretend, suddenly come together, you go, wow, it must be the right thing. No, because they're always on the same side. They're always one narrative. They just don't realize that they split it to confuse you. The idea, guys, is that's what, that's what two-party paradigm people do. Well, clearly it's a good thing because they all see it. That's not evidence. That's just narrative. Well, it's interesting he would say that and then say the opposite once he gets there. Hoff never heard back from the embassy after he submitted his application. He only saw on the embassy's telegram channel that the eligible volunteers should head directly to the recruitment station and leave a city in western Ukraine for further instruction and to presumably get weapons and gear, he said. Now, there's an important difference there. The response coming back for them after the fact, you could argue, was the reason why there could be some issue with vetting. But my point is the larger story makes it clear the process he went through to get this even going is, is part of this process, you understand. Now, but there, there's two sides to the story as always. Now, going forward, Central Ohio man among Americans volunteering to join Ukraine's International Legion. This is the now story, updated. Now, you'll find they revised it to reflect that he has been associated with a far-right group known as the Boogaloo Boys, which, by the way, is not really a far-right group. It's a group misrepresented, which you could argue might have certain ideas. The point is that it's very misrepresented, sort of like the, uh, what was the other one? Uh, they just deemed the leader some problem. The Shoot, I'm blanking on the terms. There's a lot of these groups, by the way, that have all sorts of ethnicities in the group. And it's just so ridiculous how they try to frame them. And that's the reason. They want to make up the illusion of a white supremacist problem here. It's not really what's happening. But they revised it to make sure you know, oh, he's actually a right-leaning bad guy. Well, apparently because he went afoul of the narrative. Isn't that interesting? So suddenly he speaks up about what's really happening and you go, oh, he's actually a bad guy. Isn't that really obvious to me? Now it says Hoft has previously identified himself as a member of the Boogaloo Boys, which has been characterized as a far-right extremist group. Among the seven people with whom he's traveling to Ukraine, Hoft said is Mike Dunn. The person we just let you listen to, the former leader of the Last Sons of Liberty, a faction of the Boogaloo Boys. Dunn could not be reached for comment. So it's funny how they want to point to him when he's saying something that works for them, but moments later they're going to call him a right, a right-leaning extremist. These people have no. There's nothing sacred to these people. That's the guy that they're pointing to to make the argument of what's. So why would you trust him now? That's the guy we're talking about. So apparently you'll you'll take him at face value when he, when he says what you want to hear. But if he came out and said the opposite, well, you'd be like, well, he were, he's a part of the Boogaloo Boys, so he's lying. You know that would happen. See, we have to see how childish and stupid that is.
I think that was in this. Now, guess what they omit? This, to me, is just more obvious than any other part of this. That's it. That's the, you, the part that you don't see, the part about his job and his family. I wonder why they took that out. Isn't that strange? So he's no longer an aeronautical engineer and a quality technician who has a five-year-old son? That's weird, isn't it? Well, because he went awry of the narrative. He went foul of the narrative. Suddenly, we don't want to humanize him. We don't want you to know that he's got a great job and a great career and he's been working hard at school and he's got a five-year-old son. Nah, we'll just cut all that out because he's now bad guy. That's the most dishonest thing I've ever seen. Why is that no longer valid? Because you don't, you want to paint him as a bad guy because you guys are spinning a narrative. That's why. Now, all of that to me, my personal opinion, suggests that what he's saying is far more valid than what we're hearing on the other side of it. Just my opinion though. We should question all of it. As always. Now, to add more to that, so you can see other perspectives, here's another journalist calling out the narrative. Ukraine declares journalist a Russian terrorist as her reporting undermines Western narratives. Now, I'll just play a part of this. Here's what she's saying. This message is for all those who, for some reason, want to defame me. Or if this one stops playing on me. By the way, as I mentioned the other day, I was starting to think this the, the video thing itself might actually be the Brave browser because of the way those colors were working. It was really strange. Hmm. Shoot. All of this, all of this, and there's not even as many tabs today. All of this is playing before we started. I, I went through all of them, checked them all. I don't understand it. Let me see if I can grab it real quick. I don't even, I don't, I do want to play a part of this. So she is speaking on the record, basically like Patrick Lancaster and plenty of others telling you the opposite of what you're hearing. Now, it doesn't mean you should take it at face value just because she says what we believe is happening, right? That's exactly what the Western press is doing. The corporate press, I got to continue to say. Hmm. I just don't get it. I don't understand why this happens. All my encounters, meetings to prove there's nothing I'm somehow hiding. Yep. I'm trying to get this to download for me pretty quickly here. Let me let me go past it and come back. Because this is what it's like to live in the, oh, here we go, technocratic future they're building for all of us guys. And I always say that whether, oh, wow, that's not right. Hold on. There we go. Okay, here we go. That's very strange. Just to just to give you a quick insight, I tried to download this and it downloaded the wrong video on one of them. I don't even know how that makes sense, but here we go. Let's play this. Oh my, where did I grab? Oh, that's weird. Now it won't let me play it. Apparently, there we go. Okay. Diese Botschaft richtet sich an alle, die mir aus unerfindlichen Gründen <clears throat> says, for all those who wanted to fame me, it turns out I'm now registered <clears throat> as an official Ukrainian terrorist site. Because I don't even have a Russian passport. Why they want to defame me, I don't know, because I just want to show how things really are here in Donbass, in Donetsk, for example. And I've already shown you all this, guys. Pat Patrick Lancaster's shown you this. Plenty of others have been revealing to you what's going on. 
Now, as always, you should question it. Maybe it's fake. Certainly could be. But just ask yourself why it's not even being addressed. The hundreds and hundreds of videos and documentation, people on the ground and journalists on the ground showing you eight years been happening there. Even the United Nations, even the Ukrainian government on the record, you can look it up on Wikipedia for crying out loud, openly says they've killed 14,000 people in Donbass. Not on all sides, but in Donbass. So why does that not matter? If even the United Nations claims over 4,000 or almost 4,000 civilians have died, doesn't that matter? Apparently not. I can show proof of my entire life, my resume, everything I've done. Nothing I'm somehow hiding. I'm an independent journalist and I can also prove that. Und äh, ich versuche einfach nur mich für den. Now I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to leave this here. Actually, there's another part I wanted to show in this, but I'm going to come back to. I'm realizing I'm taking too long already. <laughs> so this is included, by the way. And the bottom line is simply people that are reporting, even if you want to believe their bias, are they're just. And we already showed you this in the last show. Don't forget that the in 2016, the Atlantic Council called out the same government that's currently there, being led by a different person, same government for killing journalists, for assassinating journalists, both from the United States, from other places, and nobody cared. And this is the same entity now we're supporting them suddenly. And they're calling her a terrorist because she's reporting what they don't want. Now here's from Patrick Lancaster on the ground. He says, my wife has been refusing to evacuate Donetsk without me, but after yesterday's Ukrainian cluster bombs that killed 25 and injured 50 people, just 200 meters from their home in the center of Donetsk, I have forced her to leave with the children. They will stay in the safety of Russia until Ukraine is no longer targeting civilians. Now, yeah, that's what you're hearing from the other side. And you keep hearing them say this a lot. And I'm going to show you the body of evidence you get from one side of this. He has nonstop documented what you're seeing on the ground and has been confirmed by other outlets and other individuals and plenty of other evidence. They will stay in the safety of Russia until Ukraine is no longer targeting civilians. And don't forget, even if you want to doubt that, we're talking about the openly neo-Nazi groups that have openly said they want to target these civilians. But fake news, though, right? Because they can't, but they didn't, I can't even make up a joke about that. Like, they, this is so stupid. They, we know that they're what they are. They've admitted it. We know they've been arming them. And we know that they openly have been attacking Donbass because they want to force these people back in. But yeah, it's, it's a revolution for freedom, right? We're, we're, we're revolting against, I mean, I can't even, how stupid is this? They're not revolting against anything. They're forcing people back under their control. Now that Russia has pushed in to protect them and other things they're doing and probably taking advantage of the situation, now it's an insurgency. Now it's a revolution. Funny how they framed it as both of those things long before this ever started, isn't it? I need to stay in the DPR, the Donbass region, to continue to show the world what is happening here. All will be okay. We will all miss each other very much, but we'll be, be together soon. There's another picture where he's kissing her, and it's, it's, it's sad that he has to go through this. From Patrick Lancaster reporting on the ground. Quite a different perspective. Now, I'm not asking you to blindly trust this, only to consider it in contrast to the evidence-free claims currently flying out of incessant, flying out incessantly for Western press. Here's the video he's referencing. March 14th. Dozens killed by Ukrainian cluster bomb attack on center of, of, the, of Donetsk. Center Donetsk has just been hit by uh, shelling, it seems. Uh, I'm not headed there. People are running through the streets looking to see what has happened. Shelling has just now, just I want to give a quick shout out to Patrick in general. I mean, think about the kind of courage it takes. And this is the kind of thing they pretend that Western corporate press does. They don't. 
I mean, I just, it's absurd. There's not even, a, this is, they even discontinued the actual investigative journalist job in most of these outlets. I've, I've done a whole show on that in the past. There's no real investigative journalist in the Western press. There's just not. My point here is that this guy runs toward the bombings. So you know what's going on. Think about that. Now guys, here's something you can prove. This is the downtown Donetsk area. You can prove this stuff. You can look at these buildings with their windows bombed out. You can find other examples online. How in the world is this not a problem? This is far from what we're talking about. This is the center of the civilian Donetsk region. This is easily proven by the Western corporate press. They just don't care. All they're going to say is, well, Russia could have done it. Yeah, they could have, could have. Don't you care to prove it? Nope, don't care. We're only going to focus on what we can't prove that we want to lay at the feet of Russia. It's as stupid as that. Graphic, guys. Graphic. Just heads up. All right. Enough of that. You saw it. That's too much, though. I mean, it's, it's rough, right? These are real people. They're, I mean, and, of course, you could, could that be faked? Of course, anything could be faked. But just recognize that you're not seeing this in reverse, right? And any of these videos that you have seen like that, have, most of them have been shown to be fake. Not all of them. I can admit that. There's plenty of other ones I've seen, videos that could be real. But of course, then we need to ask whether they're not actually what they say they are. Whether Ukraine bombed them, exactly like Donbass people have accused them of. On the videos we've shown you, saying they brought in a fake Russian uniform and they left it and they bombed themselves. They bombed the city and they pretended it was the Russians. Could they be lying? Of course. But it's on the record. They're saying it and nobody talks about it. This is vivid and real and in real time. And you can verify what's happening on the ground here in Donbass. Okay, interest of time in general, guys. It's just rough. It's really upsetting. Now, here's what you get from the other side. This, I'm, this, I'm not making this up. This is what you get. Russian artillery kills 21 in western Ukraine town near Kharkiv. Right, which is that location of that massive biolab that we've discussed. We'll talk about it in a minute. Well, this all happened according to the local prosecutor's office. That's all they need. That's all they need. So this government that's been overtaken by the... I mean, look at the symbol they're using. Guys, this is the right sector. This, I mean, for crying out loud, the image that they're using, it has the symbol of the neo-Nazi group. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. How stupid is that? Does Twitter not know that? They don't care. This is why they've been... They, they've even they've normalized and allowed on Twitter and Facebook support of neo-Nazis as long as it's this one. I'm not even making that up because this one is fighting Russia bad guy, therefore it's okay. Or we're openly now allowed to call for violence against Russian people. That's, this is literally what's allowed on Facebook right now because Russia bad guy. So they use an image from this right sector, far right leaning group. And they go, oh, bad guy. Why? Because they said so. You mean the group that's openly discussed that they want to kill these people? Yeah, they wouldn't lie, would they? They wouldn't lie. Like, you mean the group that 30 seconds ago you were all pointing at and saying, oh, well, they're, they're terrible. And they lie about everything. And they're murdering people. And now we take them at face value. That makes sense? 
It shouldn't because this is ridiculous. Here's another one. Blinken confirms U.S. citizen killed in the Ukraine. Secretary of State Blinken on Thursday confirmed this, that a, that a citizen was killed. So, you know, again, that's the U.S. citizen. At least they're saying that could be anybody that has citizenship anywhere in the world. But here's the interesting part. CNN reported the citizen was identified as James Whitney Hill, 67 years old, born in Minnesota. The outlet cited Anton Garashenko, an advisor to Ukraine's interior minister. Right. The minister of the interior. That the, 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 literally the Azov Battalion, a literally open white supremacist neo-Nazi group. He's the leader of that group. And the former leader of that group, or the specific interior minister, was an openly white supremacist right-leaning guy that they got out of the way right before this all kicked off. I showed you that yesterday, or day before yesterday. Okay. So he speaks up and says, this happened. That's what they're citing to prove all of this. Now, we have a name, James Whitney Hill. I'll follow up on this. Hopefully you can too. Let's find out more about this. But why do they take these people at face value? Blinken said during a briefing that he had no further details about the incident. But we're willing to state this happened. We're not going to say, but no, no evidence. Take me at face value. The Pentagon, the Pentagon would not even confirm the death. While the State Department told the Hill no more details could be shared. Doesn't it seem a little bit early to be saying this? Yes. Especially since all you know is that apparently he died, haven't confirmed that. And then that he was there, again, I guess apparently haven't confirmed that entirely, but that they said that's what happened. What, isn't it possible that they killed him? Isn't it possible that they accidentally killed him? Isn't it possible that somebody else not even remotely involved killed him? Nope. It has to be Russia because police in the Ukraine region said in a Facebook post that an American was among the people killed. Why was he there? Not that, that's, not that it's wrong. I'm just saying this is an open war zone, right? Why was he in the middle of an open war zone? It's located in the northeast of Kiev and has been under heavy bombardment. Now, maybe he was there before this started. The news follows the death of the U.S. journalist Brent Renaud, which, by the way, we pretty much proved couldn't have been by the Russians, could have been somebody else. But it happened in an area controlled by the Ukrainian government, Ukrainian military. And they said on the record they were passing a checkpoint. So explain for me how Russia could have a checkpoint in a place controlled by the Ukrainian military. (laughs) Oops. They're still going to go with it, though, because that's the narrative. Renaud died because of this. Russia, bad guy. But the point is, we don't have any more information. This happened. Trust us. No comment. That's what you get from them, guys. That's just a bunch of words on an online website. That's all it is. Even click on CNN's report. Same thing. CNN saying this. Now, people like to believe because they said it, because Blinken said it. Well, he must have something. No, they lie all the time. They lie about Venezuela. They lie about Syria. They lie about Bolivia. They lie about Iraq. They lie about Afghanistan. They lie to you as a matter of policy. But now he's telling the truth because, as Richard Bedhurst points out, according to U.S. officials, is not a source, guys. It's state propaganda. We just pretend it's not because we pretend we're good guy. Well, here's another one. U.S. Embassy says Russian troops shot and killed 10 people standing in a line for bread. Now, certainly could happen. My personal opinion would be if that happened from either side, U.S. or Russian or Ukrainian or Russian, or however you want to frame it, that neither side would necessarily do that unless there was a benefit to it. Well, I would take that back in regard to the openly supremacist, openly neo-Nazi government of the Ukrainian, Ukrainian puppet regime that has stated they want to kill these people for no reason. That's a bit of a difference. But let's just take it from a government standpoint. To argue that Russia would just murder 10 people for no reason, it just doesn't make sense from either side. I wouldn't even argue the U.S. government would do that. There's a benefit. If there was a reason they were doing it, maybe let's say to do it and blame it on the other side, 
that would make sense, but that's not what's happening. You could argue that might be happening in reverse, right? The Ukrainians could kill 10 people and say, Russia did it. Seeing, seeing as how the entire Western press is just blindly taking what they say at face value. And they've openly said they want to kill these people, but nah, that doesn't make sense. It's In fact, that's the only thing that seems to make sense, but we should question it all as always. But they're saying this happened. The U.S. Embassy in Ukraine said Russian troops shot and killed 10 people standing in a line for bread. Why? On Wednesday, in a decimated northeast Ukrainian city of of Cherniv. Well, we're going to make the same point here in a second. The embassy did not cite what evidence it had. Of course they don't, because they say, here's a narrative. We said so. Therefore, it's fact. Ned Price style, right? It's It's evidence because we said it happened. The evidence is that we said it. Don't you understand? They're actually believing that today. So they posted a statement on their Twitter account. That's it. That's all you get right there. That is the breadth of their evidence. Today, this happened. Blue check. Apparently, that's enough for Western corporate press. Think about how embarrassing that is. That these are the people that they're supposed to be speaking truth to power? Checking balance? Nope. The very group that your job is to be critical of, you blindly report at face value. Think about how childish and embarrassing that is. Now, but all they've tried to do is frame that as being journalistic integrity. No, it's not. You guys are children and you're being completely manipulated by the very thing you're supposed to be holding accountable. But it says, there was little information on the alleged attack on civilians lining up for food in this area, but video posted to social media showed the aftermath of the number of bodies on the ground. Okay, so yes, it's video. And it could, that, that to me is more valid than just statements. But recognize the main, the point, the, how, the way this went down. So the U.S. Embassy confirms this after they see a video that was sent to them. And even this outlet, CBS News, is saying information on the alleged attack, even they're calling it an alleged attack, only was vindicated by a video sent to them. One of those who posted the video? Of course, the deputy head of Ukraine's parliament, or this location and the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Okay, so it's the same story, a little bit stretched out. The Ukrainian government says this happened, gives you a video, and you uncritically go along with it. Now, again, video has more standing, but they've already been caught faking video. They've already been caught using video games and old footage and everything for under the sun. But we'll take this one at face value, too. Now, this you can see people pointing out weird things about video aspects of it looking fake. I'm not even going to get into that. The point is simply that it shows I don't see where this breadline was supposed to be, but I do see these people on the ground fuzzed out. Now, they claim to fuzz them. Here's what's interesting. They didn't fuzz out any of the other ones. They didn't fuzz out the Wall Street Journal. They didn't fuzz out any of these. Even stuff coming from like this, these exact out, these people in Ukraine, from any of the videos I've already seen, the, the few that we've gotten from the Azov Battalion and other groups, they're never fuzzed out. This one happened to be, though. So I thought that was suspicious, especially since for all, I mean, look, so all you end up with is a video that shows some, what appear to be people. Could they not be faked? We've caught them faking things in Syria. So same point, that other video, like I said, then also watching Patrick Lancaster, that also could be fake. But just recognize the difference and the evidence around it all. And especially since I haven't had any evidence up to date thus far of even one time where Patrick Lancaster got caught faking a video. We have seen that from these exact groups over and over and over and over and over. So why wouldn't we factor that in? So they say 10 people died. In Cherniv, Cherniv, because the Ukrainian government said, certainly could be, but here's what Russia said. I don't know why we don't factor that in. 
Russia denies the U.S. Embassy report that its forces shot Ukrainians in breadlines. Russia's defense ministry denied a report published by the U.S. Embassy in Kiev on Wednesday. Obviously, I'm going to go over my time today. I knew I would. That its forces had shot and killed 10 people waiting in the line for bread in the Ukrainian city of Cherniv and said there were no Russian troops in the area. Okay. Well, wouldn't that be something that you could probably find out? We're going to do it next. It denies targeting civilians and says its airstrikes, ground and sea offensives, offensive are intended to destroy Ukraine's military infrastructure. Ukraine's military allies have accused Moscow of targeting civilians indiscriminately. Right. Okay. So basically, Russia says that didn't happen and says we're not doing that. And they just say, well, Ukraine and, and Western people say otherwise. So if you're honest, it should be, well, we don't know. It should be 50-50. They say no, they say yes. You don't just get to say, well, Russia does bad stuff. Therefore, that is happening, which is what the child, the children in the Western press are doing today. It says no Russian soldiers are or have been in Chernihiv. All units are outside that city limit, blocking roads and are not conducting any offensive action. The U.S. Embassy, they say, has published an unverified fake. Well. If we've already caught the Ukrainians pumping out things that have been shown to be fake, why wouldn't we ask if that's possibly another one? Because that's not what you're supposed to say if you've chosen a side, but that's what's happening. Now here, same say, this is apparently updated as, as of nine hours ago. Now I have another video, another map, just in case this one is old. Like just who knows, maybe BBC is just not doing their jobs, but they claim this has been updated again. Same thing we we're just looking at, same point. Our point before was to show you that it specifically... Irpin was not under control. I thought I had another. Oh, we, oh that's, we had another one up. That's right. I, I, in the other show, make sure you check it out. The one we talked about, Renaud, I think it was the last one. A closer, we have a closer map. The point is simply that Irpin is not under the control of Russian forces. So how in the world could there be a checkpoint for Russians if, if, if even the BBC is admitting that they're currently under the control of Ukrainians? Now, this one's a little different. Because you could argue Russian could have bombed inside, or even maybe likely would bomb inside of a Ukrainian-controlled area. But this was different. On the record, that that Western press individual said that we were shot go at, from a checkpoint. They shot us at the checkpoint. And we tried to run away, and they kept shooting at us. That's a R- Ukrainian checkpoint, guys. It's pretty obvious. Now, the same point in regard to what? Chernihiv. Okay, so first of all, even the BBC is showing you that right now it's quite far, in fact, from even Russian people. Like the red lines with the line, the red lined, white and red line area, that's where Russia is encroaching, not yet controlling. Red is where they're controlling. Realize how far away that is from where that actually is. That's a long ways away. To argue that they're just bombing all the way into this very specific 10 people in one red line is just stupid. That's my opinion. But doesn't that seem to challenge the overall narrative? And Russia says, we're not even in the area. That seems to back up what they're saying. And here was the other one. Uh, I think there was one more closer one. Ah, same point. It's just further away. Okay. Here's a closer map that shows you pretty clearly. Same point. Now, yes, you could argue. Dang it. Ah, shoot. You could argue. I want to get a little bit further out. That they could be bombing into it. I just, I don't understand the benefit of that from any side. So my argument would be, why would they do that? And if you just simply want to say, because Putin's a maniac, then you're just a child being fooled by propaganda. Now, I'm not saying that they wouldn't conduct something like this if there was something that would they would gain from it. 
I, like I said before, I wouldn't even argue the U.S. government would do that. So we need to ask that question and understand that the Ukrainian government has already been caught doing this and people on the record have already said that they are killing us and blaming it on the Russians. So isn't it possible that this very in- incident that the CBS News took at face value from propaganda from politicians is in fact the reverse? Or that even the embassy reported because they were told? This should upset you quite a bit. Now here is some truth coming from the Western press. Actually not, by, I would say, by accident. But there's a few of them we've shown you. And here's one that was just posted. This is by, uh, it's just the title's Kaboom by Free Your Mind. Take a listen. Now, there's a little bit of partisan angle on this, but nonetheless, there are people out there that are speaking and saying, guys, this is obvious. Now, maybe there's an agenda to that, but this is what I would think is happening. Apparently, she's not quite ready yet. Uh, let, let's here. keep it going. I'm then. ready. Can you hear me? Oh, there, oh, there you are. We got her. Oh, well, it's so great. We didn't see you pop up right away. Laura, uh, great to have you this morning. I wanted to start with this breaking news overnight uh, that uh, it appears. And there you are. You popped up for us. It's so great to see you. Um, the Daily Mail has a very interesting story that's saying uh, that Vladimir Putin essentially may be running out of bullets, that he might have a week and a half, two weeks max. He's <laughs> such stupid propaganda. How in the world would they even know that? I mean, it just, it's so bad. These guys are so childish. I really wonder how anybody ever falls for this stuff. Like, don't, wouldn't the first question, like, how would they even know that? All they just assume is, well, they must have intelligence. Well, they've said things like that this entire time that have continually proven to be false. But Daily Mail says it probably, where? Or where's it come from? I could probably bet from a Ukrainian source on the ground. Losing warplanes, tanks, all the rest of it. He obviously went into this thinking he was going to bulldoze his way through Ukraine. He's obviously caused a lot of destruction. Don't want to minimize the fact there's over two million refugees. But yeah, exactly. Like, but we don't care about the Syrian situation or the the refugees we cause from Venezuela. You know, no, we only want to blame people we like to blame, right? As even you're part of causing the situation. Well, we're you know, talking about Yemen, right? We care about those refugees, but who cares about the tens of thousands of millions of people that are dying in Yemen on a regular basis? I shouldn't say millions, but millions overall. This has not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected. I don't buy it for a second. And I'll be- I'm sorry, one last point I'll let it play out that everybody, even the Western press, even I think it was the, the Hill, I forget which may, they're all arguing at this point quietly. That this is it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Putin is going to be able to win this unless somebody else steps in. So it's just funny how they're trying to influence the the, the feeble-minded mainstream media watchers to think opposite. It's just weird. To be honest with you, I really mm. think that not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected. I don't buy it for a second, Ed. I'll be honest with you. I really mm. think that um, there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years and i have never seen people with their nails done in the ukrainian flag right i mean we're being corralled into this box where we either have to hate vladimir putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love ukraine and there's no in between and that reminds me a lot of you're either you know um, a white supremacist or you go with the democrat narrative on everything under the sun so um vladimir putin knew now, you could take that sort of as a partisan argument, but you can see the validity in that, especially, even if you're, I mean, like me, a, a like legitimately two-party illusion stance. That, that it, Yes, the, even though you're, the two-party illusion is an illusion, 
that is still the dynamic, right? Like anybody who is not on that side, like any argument you make that goes afoul of that narrative, you are a dangerous conspiracy theorist, white supremacist. Like you just, you just simply want a choice in regard to vaccination. You're a white supremacist conservative. It's, it's that childish. And it's just the same thing happening in Ukraine. I swear to you, we have watched the psychosis, the literal manipulative psychosis roll into the Ukraine narrative. It's outrageous. Exactly what he was doing when he went into Ukraine. The Russian military isn't perfect. They, for example, I've spoken to multiple defense specialists and intelligence specialists from a defense intelligence agency who've studied the Russian military for years. They do have a difficulty mounting complex air operations because they do very little um, training hours in comparison to, for example, the United States um, air assets, right, our fighter jet pilots. But Russia um, is not struggling. Uh, what Russia has done from the very beginning has been very strategic. They didn't go straight to Kiev. They right. went to all those uh, bioweapons laboratories that are scattered all over the country. Some of them they built, so they know where they mm -hmm. are. They've known where they are since the Soviet Union, because under the Defense Threat Reduction Program, um, we went in after the fall of the Soviet Union and supposedly turned those facilities in, from bioweapons labs into public health labs. Although, um, you know, these days it's hard to believe anything that our leaders tell us because they've lied about COVID, they lied about Russia collusion, they lied about U the Ukraine impeachment trial, and there's so much more going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. You see such dishonesty when it comes to the history of Ukraine. You see dishonesty when it comes to the Azov Battalion, which is funded by the U.S. and NATO. I mean, you can find pictures of them online holding up the NATO flag and the swastika at the same time, their own emblem. Mm -hmm contains the black sign of the occult, which was a Nazi SS emblem. And it also contains the sideways, you know, uh, lightning insignia of the SS. I mean, this is on throughout the Ukrainian military. You can see that black sign of the occult exactly. on their uh, body armor, even on the female soldiers who are paraded in front of the world as being, you know, such an example of Ukraine's um, independence and spirit and nobility. Even they are wearing the black sign of the occult. And, you know, we want the White House wants you to believe, well, this doesn't matter. It's just a small number of troops. It's not true. Oh. The Azov Battalion has been murdering its way through eastern Ukraine. Yeah. We don't want to admit this. This was why Crimea voted for independence. Exactly. This is why Crimea wanted to be with Russia, because sure. we in the media, in the Western media and in the West, won't acknowledge. <laughs> just look at these two on the left. Yeah. Oh, OK. Oh, like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> like, I mean, this, this outlet is not necessarily super West mainstream, but it's just kind of funny. Like they're, this, this, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Whitney Webb went on Jimmy Dore show for the one time and just, this was way in the beginning of COVID and she came out hot with the great reset and the reality of technocracy. And he was just like dead stare. Like what? And he hadn't even accepted the vaccine was dangerous at that point. That's <laughs> what so it looks. They're just like deer stare, you know? the reality of what's gone on. Western Ukraine backed the Nazis. It was a headquarters for the Nazi SS. The CIA under Alan Dulles yeah. actually... And don't forget that the Nazi party itself has direct ties back to prominent families in, in you know, internationally prominent families, but directly to people at the U.S. government side, right? We could point... This has been very clearly documented. And the families we're talking about, whether, you know, historically we could point to the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, a lot of different groups, but that there was evidence of arming and supporting both sides during World War II. 
which is not new, arming both sides of the wars and making profit from it from to, to today. <laughs> so the point is that this is an obvious reality. Project Paperclip bringing the Nazi scientists over to become NASA. I mean, this is obvious. So we need to ask whether there's more going on here that stems all the way back to that. And, and it, a lot of this was psychological operation from the very beginning. Here and in the West won't acknowledge the reality of what's gone on. Western Ukraine backed the Nazis. It was a headquarters for the Nazi SS. The CIA under Alan Dulles yeah. actually gave immunity from prosecution right. to the Nazis of Ukraine hmm. from the Nuremberg trials. So um, there is a long history of the United States and our intelligence agencies funding and arming Nazis in Ukraine. These are not like new neo-Nazi groups that sprung up. These are the actual Nazis from the Second World War, who, if you go back to the Nuremberg trials, said that they were planning for a thousand-year Reich. And so you have to really wonder, as you look at this, when you know that the CIA sponsored the color revolution in Ukraine in 2013 and 14, yep. that they selected Ukraine's leaders, go to the... Um, Go to Victoria Newland's leaked phone conversation where she and the U.S. ambassador are deciding who can lead Ukraine. Okay, I, I'll pull, I have to play that next then since it's brought up twice now. But and someone's point in the, in the chat. And you could take you could take this one of two. I mean, you could look at it either way, regardless of what the reasoning behind it is. Acknowledge that despite all of this, despite NATO encroachment, despite all of the actions, despite the bases surrounding Russia and all the stuff that's happened all the provocations and red lines being crossed, they still took eight years to respond. Think about that. Now, you could look at that as different. You could argue there's more going on, that they were hurting people and they were lying about it. I don't see whatever you want. The bottom line is if eight years it took for them to actually take action in here with them poking them the entire time. Looks like, as the person in the chat points out, looks like diplomacy. You know, it could be. But it's amazing that we can't even consider that because of the red scare type level propaganda we're getting today. I mean, there's just as much right. interference here as you could possibly imagine before right. we and even Laura. get to Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry mm -hmm. and Mitt <laughs> Romney and all of their children who are employed, who earn millions from Ukrainian you are gas pointing, companies. Yeah, you are pointing, pardon me, to a real credibility crisis for our leaders. I don't let Karen Turk jump yeah, in. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the fact that President Zelensky is Jewish, and I don't know exactly how this factors in, but there's some very interesting points in what you're saying. And looking at this, you know, you could think it's political theatrics. You, you know, made a very good point at the beginning that you think that Putin is con in control. And I actually want to place something that Jen Psaki said, because it seems that the White House is mm. actually echoing that sentiment watch this well the end game is really a question for president putin we have we have completely crushed his economy uh, we have provided military assistance humanitarian assistance to the ukrainians i wouldn't say remotely crush their economy that's just a wishful thinking but nonetheless the point is that that are we pretending that doesn't directly hurt civilians in fact that was the point guys that's the exact point. And I don't know how many times I have to paint this picture and, and document the past where they've openly written down and openly discussed that the end game of, of sanctions are to hurt people, to drive them to revolt against their own country, their own government. So they, they, we've seen it in Syria. We've seen it in Venezuela. We've seen it in Iran. They tell you, your people are going to starve unless you do what we want. That's Mike Pompeo speaking. So why do we not care that they're doing this to civilians? These are what villains look like. And yeah, there could be the same amount of villains on the other side, too. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. 
Uh, and again, he has to uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for like for him. Thanks, everyone. He's determining what this looks like, and I think that's a lot of what you said, Laura. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, what you just watched. What troubles me about the moment that we're in is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defend, you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. My job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being lied to on an epic scale. When we're told your only choice is you have to be 100% with Zelensky, who's a puppet, who you can find on the Internet in black stilettos and leather pants, you know, with shirtless, doing a spoof, dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic occult type of uh, music video. And, I mean, Zelensky was selected, like so many of our leaders. And, honestly, with, with big tech... And with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and Probably weren't not. actually voted in. Probably but what not. we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world. Because look at what's happening with COVID. Look at what has happened globally. We are fighting the same battles all over the world. To pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a just a barefaced lie. Yeah. If Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine, Ukrainian yeah. oligarchs. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for you know many of the leaders in this country for how long? Billions of U.S. dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. These are our tax dollars. I mean, before the impeachment trial, had you ever heard of anyone in the United States, I mean, us bringing in foreign governments to the White House for anti-corruption right. training. I mean, does nobody question these things? Why do we not question them? We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman hmm. who goes at the impeachment trial and sits there as a lieutenant colonel. He didn't even make colonel. And he's telling the president of the United States what his policy should be. I'll go ahead and leave it there. Now, she, the point is, guys, if you... Hear what she says about, let's say, Putin waiting 15 years or eight years of what's going on there. And you walk away thinking, well, they must be on the other side. It's just that's the exact thing I'm trying to highlight. Because that in no way suggests that Putin's doing things for the right reasons. That's up to you to decide. But what she said is easily verifiable. That very clearly has been trying to do this and has been. They've been trying to poke him into doing this for eight years. The reality is that there was restraint which I continually talked about from Syria as well. The only times Israel or the United States tried to trigger them to take an action, they showed restraint. That's very clear. The reality is there's more to this story, period. And if you don't allow yourself to see that, you're, you will lie to yourself and you will be misinformed. Now, here is the other video that we've talked about. I'll just play real quickly and then, I'll, and then I'm going to play that other clip. But here is a, a colonel on the record telling you exactly the same thing, that you are being deceived. Well, I think Zelensky is a puppet. Uh, and he is putting huge numbers of his own pot.
the uh, uh, first five days a puppet, uh, and he is putting huge numbers of his own population at unnecessary risk. And uh, quite frankly, most of what comes out of Ukraine is debunked as lies within 24 to 48 hours. The notions well, of taking and retaking airfields, all of this is nonsense. It hasn't happened. Is not a, a hero when he's standing up for himself. And <laughs> it's not, I love that contrast. So he basically tells you, no, they're lying about everything. You mean he's not a hero? How is he not a hero? I thought hero, hero. He was a hero, right? Like, that's just, that's just so sad. That guy is a career Western corporate journalist, and his response is not explain that for me. How is he lying? What ways is he lying? How do you know that? Can you prove it for me? Nope. He just goes, you mean he's not a hero? How dare you? <laughs> like It's just pathetic. These people are pathetic. Now, I'm not saying you could take the colonel at face value, but the point is that people like the off-guardian have verifiably shown you that they're lying to you, showing you that they're pulling things from video games, proving to you they're taking old articles and rehashing them as different things, lying to you. That doesn't mean all of it's lies, but it means you should be asking whether they all are lies. The point is they're faking things. They're taking, they're pretending to take airfields. They're lying. So couldn't they have also bombed 10 people and claimed it on Russia? Yes. Especially since they've openly said they want to do these things to these people. But yeah, but we're all conspiracy theorists, just like COVID-19 land, right? People? You don't think he's a hero? No, I, I do not. I don't see anything heroic about the man. And I think the most heroic thing that he can do right now is to come to terms with reality neutralize Ukraine. <clears throat> this is not a bad thing. A neutral Ukraine would be good for us as well as for Russia. It would create the buffer that, frankly, both sides want. But he's, I think, being told to hang on and, and try to drag this out, which is tragic for the people that have to live through this. Exactly. I'm inclined to disagree with you, Colonel, but, um, you know, how do you see how this works out. Oh, great. Yeah. On, on what basis? Because narrative, right? I'm inclined to disagree because I think differently. <laughs> Just... God, this is this is the status of Western corporate media. It's pathetic. Now, here is in Gaza and beyond. It's a great, great website from Eva Bartlett, which you should be following. And there's a great interview between uh, uh, geopolitics and empire, which I, he's interviewed me in the past. I think I've interviewed him as well. Great, a great guy. And discusses uh, interviews Dmitry Orlov on Russian military operations in Ukraine. Now, Dmitry is an astute commentator. And he has is lots of insight on the on the topic. And he says, quote, in terms of the legal basis for the Russian incursion. And he says, I wouldn't call it an invasion because invasions, when you move in to stay, I just disagree with that. The, the definition of invasion does not imply that as far as I can tell. So I would still call it invasion. It just means if moving in with a military force and that's what's happened, whether or not it's justified or however you want to look at it. But invasion leads to occupation. This is not going to lead to an occupation. So he says, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or I would argue if I had to guess, that's not what the, it seems to be the agenda. But if the Western out, Western puppets out there drive the action that he might decide to, or he could be the plan from the beginning. And I don't see that always possible. So why not call it as such? He says, which is a military incursion. But he goes on to say, uh, but in terms of legal basis, it's bulletproof, which I find interesting. Putin is a lawyer. He doesn't do anything illegal ever. He makes sure that all the all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed in terms of the legal basis for whatever he does. Everything he does is defensible in court. Now, my perspective, I agree with that. Just like I keep saying, look at what he's done in Syria. These people are stumbling through with clumsy foreign policy and just blowing things up and laying clumsy false flags on the ground. And he's been showing restraint at every damn turn. Some people would call it weak. He didn't respond. I would call it intelligent. 
knowing they're trying to bait him. Now, there's differences when you're arming an open white supremacist group that's openly trying to attack and, and ethnically cleanse Russians and trying to bring them into NATO and trying to give them nuclear weapons on your border. Well, there's a, a different situation there. Now, what's interesting, though, is he does show that. And his argument is that what he did is defensible in court. And that would be interesting to see. The collective West basically reneged on all its treaties they've signed. That's true. All the international agreements they've entered into, which means they nothing means anything to them. When they say that Russia is doing something wrong, what they mean is that Russia is doing something they don't like. Whereas that what Russia is doing is absolutely necessary in terms of its security, which I agree with. Doesn't mean you have to think it's the right move or think it's acceptable or whatever, but they see it as necessary to its security. And I would agree with that. People should already know this. One, the Ukraine wants to enter NATO. It's obvious. Number two, the military doctrine of Ukraine absolutely includes the goal of reconquest of Crimea by force. It's important. Crimea is an important location for the, for the country. The point, nonetheless, is that they openly say that. Why would anybody be okay with that if this has already been... The point is they want to continue to pretend Crimea was taken. That's why they keep doing that. They always meant to come back to it. It's obviously on the record, not the truth. Which means that in all likelihood that Ukraine will A, join NATO, and B, attack Crimea. Which means that Russia will go to war with NATO. Also, the Ukraine's leadership has announced that they will use their spent nuclear fuel stockpile to make dirty bombs, exactly what you, the U.S. did in Iraq and plenty of other places, and use their existing rockets to lob them at Russia. That's not a good thing for Russia when it sits back and relax, sit back and relax about. So if that's true, which you should be considering, if you're not, you've already taken a side and you're being subjective. The point would be, doesn't that justify action if you know those things are happening? And by the way, they did announce publicly that they're doing that. You just don't hear it from the Western press. The point being, that's a concern, enough to justify action, whether or not you agree with it. Now here, as I showed yesterday, it was just simply what they're discussing. Openly, and this is Ukraine's minister, openly saying what they're going to do, and they're, and they're openly attacking civilians, and they don't care. And the West is okay with this right now because they're hypocrites, because they don't believe in any of the things they think they believe in. Now, this minister has said more than half a million followers are following him on Twitter and Instagram and Telegram, and using his message to get this all across. And he's using, he's speaking in English now because he sees where that's, he's propagandizing the most. Now he says, it's our, and Paskey just admitted this too. We're using this to destroy the Russian economy. Yeah, because that doesn't hurt civilians at all, right? By the way, that's the point. Says down here, and the ministry launched an army of ITs, internet, IT army in, in Ukraine, including thousands of volunteer hackers from around the world. 270,000 of them, in fact, directed against the digital and online resources of Russian and Belarusian business corporations, banks, state web portals, right? So when that family goes in and desperately needs to access their health insurance, too bad they've been attacked by Ukrainians, and that's because we believe in freedom, right? How do we, how is anybody accepting this? This is on the BBC, guys. They are okay with this because they're disgusting. Of the web portal of Russian public services, the exchange websites of TASS, uh, different website, media outlets. They are attacking directly individuals on the ground and just being because Russia bad. Sort of how Germany is no longer in certain locations treating Russian people at all because anti-vaxxers, right? Same thing. Mindless idiots out there blindly saying Russia bad guy and saying we're not even going to treat civilians. As Putin says, we're fighting for you, Russian civilians. You think they can't see that? It's a lie. 
attacking their services. Railway, power grid networks. Yeah, we're, we're talking about them attacking our network? Come on, guys. They're doing it in the surface right now. They're openly attacking the power grid of Russia and acting like it's a freedom out. I mean, this is pathetic. And then, of course, when something happens, they're going to go, oh, Russia can't even manage their own electricity like they do everywhere else when they attack them. Then when they attack outside or they create things that happen in, in Ukraine, they won't even look into it. They'll just go, Russia did it because we know. Makes sense if the if cybersecurity world anxious. Now it says it's really important to be careful in this realm. This is the U.S. speaking on the record, saying, well, it's important. This stuff happens. We run into the kinds of fog of war, misattribution, political cascading impacts. Right. So we're worried that we might not know who's doing the thing that they're openly doing. So we only care about the fact that it may get laid at their feet. We may not know if Ukraine did it or Russia did it. That's all you care about? You don't care that civilians are being attacked? Disgusting. On Friday, Ukraine's deputy chairman of the State Service of Special Communications, which works closely with this minister, defended the decision to rally hackers against Russia. He said he welcomed illegal cyber attacks on Russia from anybody anywhere. Sort of rings true with like Lindsey Graham going, can somebody murder this guy, please? Do you not realize who the bad guys are in this situation here? And I shouldn't even say it like that. That When I say it like that, what I mean is they're bad guys, not to suggest that Russia's not. I think all of these governments are concerning to me. My point is that if you don't recognize these people as villains, then you're not paying attention. They are okay with doing bad things to people that they frame as bad, even though they're civilians, as they pretend they're fighting for those people, as they hurt those people. That's disgusting. Go ahead and welcome it all. And we still support this group. But, but their argument is, but Russia does it too, even though they admit we don't have any evidence of that. And there's, we don't understand why they're not doing it. But because Russia's playbook, therefore, let's murder people and attack their civilian infrastructure because good guys, right? Don't forget, we've already proven that these people are openly connected to white supremacy, neo-Nazis, but nobody cares. Now, here's an interesting part. This is, the, this is a TV presenter from Ukraine. Openly calls for children to be killed. Quotes a Nazi war criminal. Right, but it's all fake news, though, right? A Ukrainian TV host uses Adolf Eichmann to, quote, to advocate genocide of Russians and killing their children. Now understand, that's exactly what he says. He doesn't say, go kill children in the battle or in the war zone. He says the same thing that the Israeli government says on the record about Palestinian children, that we need to kill them or their mothers because if we don't, it's going to come back and they're going to fight us again later. On the record, Israel's government has said that more than once. Bennett has spoken on the record in the front of the Irish parliament and read what they said. Nobody cares. So here we interesting crossover when we know that, that Israel has been arming them, the exact same group. We know that they're doing the same thing, or at least calling for it. Quoting Nazi war criminal, Ukrainian tea presenter Shara Fomel called for his countrymen to destroy the Russian nation, not the government, the, the nation, by killing their children. Right? In general. So if there's Russian children, kill them, basically, is what he's saying. Not basically, it's what he's saying. And urge Ukrainians to, quote, kill at least one Moscow, a derogatory term for Russian. Now, and that's kill one each, he said. Not military, not the government, just general Russian people. This is what they're saying openly on the networks controlled by the, not the puppet government, not just general Ukrainian people, but controlled by the, this is what state media looks like. They don't censor this one, though. Kill one Russian, whoever, wherever, and make sure you kill their children because they're going to come back to get you. That's what he's talking about. 
We've already shown you the videos of people jumping and saying, not, not stand, not stand if you're in Moscow. They're openly racist and derogatory towards Russian people over there. That's why the Russian people in Donbass and the Russian people in Crimea, Crimea don't want to be controlled by this openly racist government. I don't know why that's difficult for people in the Western press to understand. They just don't care. He says, I allow myself to quote Adolf Eichmann, who said that in order to destroy a nation, you must destroy, first of all, its children. Because if you kill their parents, the children will grow up and take revenge. By killing children, they will never grow up and the nation will disappear. That was openly stated on this Ukrainian primary network. Here's Dan Cohen pointing it out to you. Ukrainian 24 presenter goes full Nazi, endorses Adolf Eichmann, and says the quote right there. Now you can watch it for yourself. Understand Ukrainian 24, guys. This is directly tied to, this is West, this is mainstream Western, I mean, this is incredible. Incredible. And nobody cares. You're, you know, the point is, oh, it's on RT, fake news. Must be fake news. Now dismiss it on the people that choose a side despite the fact that it's very real and easy to prove. But here's Wall Street Journal. All they care to talk about while that's happening is almost one child a second flees Ukraine. Well, okay, well, that doesn't even really get into whether Ukraine is a part of why that's happening or maybe all of why that's happening. Maybe they're fleeing from the white supremacist government that's controlling them. Certainly possible. But the real point should be, why is the Wall Street Journal talking about what this is while never, ever, ever addressing what's happening right now in Yemen still. As Sarah Abdallah points out, more than 10,200 children have been killed or injured since this illegal occupation of Yemen. That doesn't matter, apparently. But we care that one child is moving over here. Oh no, how dare they have to move in this situation while we openly murder children in Yemen. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that it's not, a, it's, it's not terrible that children and anybody has to go through this. Just recognize why it's happening and who drove it into action. Now, finally, before we roll this into the bio labs, Senate passes resolution supporting Putin war crime probe. Seriously. We're going to probe Putin and his war crimes and have no level of irony in that while we openly commit war crimes currently in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Bolivia, Venezuela, and literally anybody you can point to right now where they're openly, you know, burning toxic waste in people's countries that they don't want them there or forcing inject. I mean, God knows how many are actually happening. We could prove everything I just listed off, but no, but let's investigate Putin, which by the way, you probably should. But recognize how insulting it is that these people are hiding behind that. Oh, and then also recognize that your money is going to support openly white supremacist neo-Nazi groups that your CIA has built and is about to frame you for. Biden's about to announce another billion dollars in military aid. On top of all the secret stuff they've already said, right? Well, we should be asking where that money's actually going. Here's an outstanding article from Delania. And by the way, uh, uh, Taylor Hudak is going to is already apparently inter- already done it or about to interview Delania. So that interview will be coming on the Last American Vagabond very soon. Taylor always doing a great job. Pentagon contractors worked in Ukrainian bio labs under eighty million dollar program. Now we've already talked about this. I'm gonna tr- this is March sixteenth. Now it says leaked documents give new information about the Pentagon program in bio laboratories in Ukraine. According to internal documents, Pentagon contractors were given full access to all Ukrainian bio laboratories while independent experts were denied even a visit. 
Yeah, that sounds normal, doesn't it? The new revelations challenged the U.S. government's statement that the Pentagon just funded these biolaboratories in Ukraine but had nothing to do with them, which, by the way, was actually different in the beginning. Remember, in the beginning, it was, no, 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 we didn't fund or anything. We just set them up and we're working with them. And then as myself and plenty of others proved that they funded them, they just kind of shift the narrative, like always. Now, well, we funded them, but we're not actually working there. Yes, they are. And it's just obvious. The Pentagon activities in Ukrainian biolabs were funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which we've already shown you. The DTRA allocated $80 million for biological research in Ukraine as of July 30th, 2020. 2020. This is the interesting part about this is when this was actually taking place. According to information obtained from the U.S. Federal Contracts Registry, the U.S. company Black NV Special Projects Corp. was taking was tasked with the program. Now, there's a lot in here you can read. A lot of documentation, but it says while Pentagon contractors were given full access to all biolabs involved, independent experts, which are supposed to be all, this is how this stuff is supposed to be checked and balanced, right? Were denied access under the pretext that these biolabs were working with especially dangerous pathogens. Well, that seems to contract, that challenges what they say is happening. According to a leaked letter, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine denied experts from a scientific journal, Problems of Innovation and Investment Development access to the Pentagon-funded laboratories. That's not supposed to happen. If the, if the U.S. government is funding these, they have every right to investigate them. The ministry rejected the proposal made by the scientific journal and did not allow independent public control groups to, of experts to supervise these biolaboratories. Well, maybe that's because there's something else going on here. I mean, that, that, there's, that's an obvious, relevant question that any real journalist would ask, ask when confronted with the information we have right now. Especially when we have people like Newland speaking on the record, right? And saying that there's some concerns now. Um, I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Here is a document on Reddit with a whole bunch of web archive document links that you should check out, and they're all state.gov documents. Why won't the U.S. explain the nature of its biolab program in Ukraine? Explain why documents are being deleted and allow international and, and allow international inspectors, right? They're delete. I've already shown you this. The one that I was showing you first was this one, and they're right. There's a whole listing of other documents, and these are they're deleting. This doesn't exist right now. It's only on the Wayback Machine. Why would that be? As I've shown you before, this is the Kharkiv Diagnostic Laboratory, and it shows beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Department of Defense in the United States of America was the donor. They funded this. They lied about that right out of the gate. It's like it's amazing how we catch them overtly lying, and then we just shift to the next lie. Well, no, they did fund them, but but you just said they didn't. I don't understand why people keep going along with liars. Well, I do. In fact, it's because they've chosen the side. It's a game. But the point is they funded it. The money's down here, and it says permit for working with pathogens. It will be obtained after the terms of conditions and, you know, memorandum of understanding there. They, they sign it and then we're going to allow you to work with pathogens. That's what this says. These openly neo-Nazi groups. So check out these links for yourself. These documents are very clear. Didn't allow people to inspect it. There's something strange going on. Now, here's a couple more documents. I find this to be really interesting. This one is 
from 2005. Treaties and other international acts series. This says United States of America and Ukraine. The headline says an agreement between the Department of Defense and the United States of America and the Ministry of Health of Ukraine. This was before the 2014 regime change concerning cooperation in the area of prevention and proliferation of technology, pathogens and expertise that could be used in the development of biological weapons. Well, doesn't that, I mean, that in and of itself contradicts the very statement and the idea of what they're doing there. Now, you can read this for yourself. The idea is this has always been about biological weapons. They just call it something different. The war, the war, the Department of War becomes the Department of Defense when all they want you to think is that we're not waging war, we're defending ourselves. Same thing. It's an illusion. But in the interest of time, I'm going to skip past this. There are more parts that you should dig through on here. Exception to the fair opportunity for countering especially dangerous pathogens threat in Ukraine. Again, yep, that's the point. And in the beginning, they said, no, no, they're just just safety things and labs and research and whatever. And then when she comes out and goes, now we're super concerned because Russia's there. Well, you can't have it both ways. They're dangerous and they won't, they they are working with dangerous things. And this was an exception, a fair opportunity, an exception to this fair opportunity rule, which openly, uh, here's the next part. It seems to, uh, the point seems to suggest that they are giving them exceptions and things that like the inspectors and plenty of other things. Uh, where was the one point in here? I'm trying to rush now. It says, the re- oh, right here, exception. This justification, the order must be, it says right here, provided the awardees were given the opportunity to consider the original order provided to bid on the work. In this case, issuance of the new task order would create unacceptable delays. Time would award 120 days plus. So therefore, they're basically giving them an exception in this regard because it would take too long. I mean, it just they're, they're fast and loose with all of this. And basically, this is in regard to this the exact defense threat reduction agency. There's some suspicious stuff going on here. Now, this is the Wayback Machine. From This is from February 8th. They stopped posting this. But the one thing I wanted to point out that I found really interesting. This is, again, uh, sunshine, the sunshineproject.org. Protection or proliferation. They were calling this out back then. And we should have. The one thing I want to show you, I was going to go a little bit further, but was just simply recognize even back then what they were pointing at in regard to where these things are and how many there are. This is high containment labs and other facilities of the U.S. biodefense program. Sorry, it's a little out of focus. Look at how many there are. Are we really going to pretend that we're not conducting bio-research in our country? Guys, this is dangerous stuff. This is bioweapons research. Anybody honest has admitted that to you. Okay, we're at two hours and 25 minutes. I know everyone's going to be mad at me that I'm maybe going to skip some stuff here in COVID land. But... A lot of this stuff is redundant, but nonetheless, let's shift over into COVID in general. I want to make sure we see the crossover here. Seek for Truth points out, Ukraine just silently announced it's the first country. How conspicuous, the very first country to implement the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. By set, that's a quote, by setting up a social credit application combining universal basic income, a digital identity, and a vaccine passport all within their DIA app. Seriously. Are we really going to pretend like this is not coordinated? How incredible is that? Now, as I understand it, they've already spoken on the record and argued that all of this stuff is going to cross over. Their, their, their digital, their central government, uh, what's the term, the CB. It's basically a government digital currency. I forget the acronym, which the U.S. is doing, and they're all now doing around the world. They've openly discussed how that currency is going to be linked directly to this app. They are closing you in, and Ukraine is starting the charge. Really? 
How is that? I mean, think about the likelihood that this is the one thing that happens right after COVID, and it just so happens that the first country to institute the one thing that we're all supposed to be not happening, that's all fake news. I mean, the Great Reset's been called fake news. The universal basic income's called fake news. Digital identity's called fake news. Vaccine passport was big fake news in 2020. Now, all of them come together in the one country that's fighting against bad guy Russia. What a coincidence. How incredible. Don't forget, this is the spokes, the, the member of parliament or the minister in Ukraine that was conducting the Twitter hacking warfare. Here's what it says. But they told the young team that was constantly coming up with new ideas. They're now implementing NFTs. Crypto NFTs and using that to pay people. They're even using cryptocurrency exchanges to pay. I mean, they're freezing. I mean, th this is obviously connected. Now, as they roll us into this from all directions, recognize what this is actually going to be used for. Whether it's a vaccine, I mean, it is a vaccine passport. That's what this is. But it could be for climate change. It could be for whatever they want to justify. But recognize that this is coming back up a little bit already. Right now, here is Fauci as of the 15th, Fauci saying more vaccines will be needed. Quote, we're not done with this. CBDC, thank you. Central Bank Digital Currency, appreciate that. I, they're telling you guys, but they're just not being reported because they're all breathlessly pointing at things they can't prove in Ukraine. Well, here is from the 15th as well. Fully vaccinated, whatever that means today, will need fourth dose later this year. Told you so. I mean, we all said this. Anybody honest with themselves were very clearly telling you that this was never. By the way, if you were actually listening, they were always telling you this was never going to stop. If you just cared to listen and actually paid attention. We're now watching countries like Israel see their cases surge to spark high vaccination rates. How important are boosters to maintaining this no lockdown plan? And how soon we need to get them so that we can maintain these freedoms we're being promised? We need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. Um, I can't see that COVID is not going to be with us forever. Um, maybe in the future we can have even better vaccines and coverage across the world to achieve that. I mean, as a public health doctor, we always want to have diseases go, um, get totally eliminated, but that's not on the horizon in the near future. So booster doses, repeat doses will be part of it. You know, there'll be different advice about different schedules, which doses you get. But at the moment, our priority has to be getting first and second doses into people. And there will be recommendations about booster doses in the future. And I can assure you that the Commonwealth Government has, produced, has purchased a large quantities of vaccine into 2022. And this will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. They've been telling you this the whole time, if you're just paying attention. So those that are shocked about the new one, it, it, they've been telling you. It's amazing that you trust the Western idiot press out there that lies to you on a regular basis when they're telling you what's going to happen. That you will now need, if you've been following this absurd regimen, another dose of something that's hurting your body. And a new variant dubbed Deltacron or Delmacron. Like what's funny is they, have, they can't even get their, their words straight. Right now in other press, they're calling it Delmacron because this was always coming. We reported about the Delmacron thing like four months ago or however long ago it was. It's pathetic. They, well, they just weren't ready for it, apparently. Where was it? I'll jump right back to it. Oh, maybe I didn't get another one. Anyway, there, there was another art. There's something. The, the whole idea of the, I swear I had something else in there. Maybe not. 
maybe it's later. There, there, there's plenty of it out there. But the point is that this whole Delta Crom thing, don't don't forget how stupid this was. When this first started, they didn't even know what they were talking were as if they're happening simultaneously. It's a twin demic of Delta Delta and, and Omicron. And then somebody out there was like, they're the they're same, this Delta Cron, it's the same thing. We're blending. Like that's even a thing. It's just how could they be simultaneous and suddenly just blend together? That's not how variants work. So they just kind of dumped this into you. Now, now, and they got quiet on it for a while, for a month or so. Then now, apparently they got ahead of themselves a little bit. Oh, Ukraine, we got to pause for a minute. Now it's Delta Cron. So now we're going to argue that this thing was there and it was rising a month ago. And they were worried about it a month ago. And then it stopped. Just waited for a month. Was quiet for a month. Went away. And now it comes back up. The variant, it's now back. Sure, could happen. I mean, this is just ridiculous to me. The idea that this is fourth dose for something different. And don't forget, they're still giving you the same thing that doesn't even remotely cover Omicron, Delta, or any some weird fabricated Delmacron, Deltacron narrative. This is based on the original thing that still is not happening. The original thing that immediately stopped working for anything else that came after it. And they've all admitted that. That's why they're trying to rush out something new. But guess what? We're already on something different, like I told you would happen. So when they push out this new Omicron-focused thing in a month, and we're on to new things down the line, same story. That's why her point is forever, forever, forever. And if you're hooked into it, it's dangerous. And we're going to get to that at the end. Pfizer and Biotech submitted their application for emergency authorization for a second booster. An emergency authorization? So we're still in an emergency? I mean, let's be clear. They haven't even barely talked about this. They've been so focused on Ukraine. They're rolling things back. They admitted they're saying, oh, we don't need mass mandates anymore. We're pulling it all back. Or it's going away. It's going down. It's not that dangerous. And well, there are brief moments of like, well, it's kind of rising over here. And that's an emergency? I mean, do you not realize the same point? If we're in an emergency for three years, that by definition is not an emergency. That's not how that works. That defies the very definition of the word. This is just where we are right now. And it's very clearly never been an emergency based on any actual metric. You don't just get to combine the numbers you're broadly adding together by false positives and combining flu and everything else and knowing you're overshooting the number because you're admitting you're doing so for our safety. And then going, look at how many millions have died over what, a three-year process? How about we look back at the actual breakdown? It's not that much more dangerous. The risk is not there. Most people are less risk than the flu. Simply taking the U.S. government's own metrics before this started of pandemics, we were barely in level two. But ever since then, we've still been in emergency. My point is, guys, they are going to forever emergency authorize these things because that's how they skate away from accountability. We're, ever, we're, we're still in an emergency from 9-11. You, do you know that? We're still in an emergency for the damn opioid crisis. This just still goes forever. This one is going to be redone every 90 days under the guys that were having lasting issues from COVID. And they just keep yelling at long COVID. Who knows? It goes on forever. And they're always going to do it. That's it. You know what else they're going to use this for? Emergency authorized? You know, the other 14, 15 injections they're making using mRNA. Right this moment, every single one of these things, when they're ready, will be emergency authorized. They don't approve these things. Moderna will now develop mRNA vaccines for 15 of the world's worst diseases. Now, what's interesting is they're going to do that, but they're actually trying to make the universal thing. That's what it's all really about. This is incredible to me. Are we pretending the mRNA injection has been fleshed out? Remember what, what Pfizer CEO said in the beginning? He was surprised they even wanted to go this route. We failed every single time up until now. And clearly they failed this time too. 
but they're already stepping on the next project. We're already making 15 more of them using the same failed project that's going to hurt people. This is incredible. Are we? I mean, they keep saying it's safe and effective while they're making something else, but we're going to use the same technology? In no way has this actually been proven to work. Now, here's something that's, that plenty would find interesting, especially with the HIV crossover. Here's Michigan News arguing in 2020, April 13th, 2020, mandated, forced tuberculosis vaccination predicts flattened curves for COVID spread. So basically saying if the United States had mandatory tuberculosis vaccination in place several decades ago, well, the coronavirus wouldn't have been that bad. Well, isn't that interesting? There's a lot of overlap here. The easy point to take from this is just trying to rationalize mandatory injections for other reasons because it would have worked here if we did this then and all. Just bottom line is, let us decide for you what you have to take. Don't miss the tuberculosis crossover in regard to the apparently one of the leading issues, people that have HIV or AIDS, and and there's a a weird thing happening around all of this. But before we go any deeper on that, actually, I forgot I I pulled that off today. This is where the WHO is right now. Or rather, this is the 2021. The next one is current. The World Health Assembly agrees to launch process to develop historic global accord on pandemic prevention, meaning that they're going to decide for the world what we have to do when stuff happens. Now, recognize I see someone in the chat, by the way. A lot of this stuff has been building over the last couple of weeks because I haven't been focusing on COVID. So none of this is supposed to be as current as yesterday, just for the record. I feel like I've said that already, but nonetheless, going forward. WHO and Switzerland launch global biohub for pathogen storage, right? This is a plan, guys. And it's always been the plan. And this is something I really want you to understand coming. This is from March 8, 2022. First open letter on the WHO's pandemic treaty. As it says, the World Council for Health, and this is from uh, the World Council for Health. This is right there. The World Council for Health, a coalition of scientists, doctors, lawyers, and civil society advocacy organizations opposed the WHO's moves to implement a power grab in the form of a global pandemic agreement. Look at that. While the world's attention is diverted by the latest crisis. Good for them. That takes courage to call this out. The proposed WHO agreement is unnecessary and is a threat to sovereignty and inalienable rights. We should all know this. It increases the WHO's suffocating power to declare unjustified pandemics, impose dehumanizing lockdowns, and enforce expensive, unsafe, and ineffective treatments against the will of the people. The the, the WCH, the World World Council for Health, believes that the people have a right to participate in any agreement that affects their lives, obviously. This is what it looks like to public private partnership yourself right out of any kind of con- it, the illusion of any kind of input. Like this is just outsourcing the reality, the illusion of that. My point is it was never real, but now they're going to, oh, well, the WHO decides. Well, where's our engagement here? Do we get to vote on that? Nope. Sorry. Just pretend your vote for this one guy standing here has an effect on everything else. It doesn't. However, the WHO has not engaged in a process of public participation, which is evidence that its priority is capturing more power for itself and corporate accomplices than serving the interests of the people. They've decided for you, they know what's best. Without an unbiased democratic process, any agreement with the WHO acting via the United Nations will be unlawful, illegitimate, and invalid, but they don't care. WHO cannot be allowed to control the world's health agenda, nor enforce biosurveillance, which is what it's all about, guys. That's what these were about. Global biohub, as well as the historic accord to prevention. That's the biosurveillance. They're going to say, you're about to get sick. 
medical pre-crime. Now it says, while it receives funding from public sources belonging to you, the people, it is caught in a perpetual conflict of interest because it also receives substantial funding from private interests that use their contributions to influence and profit from WHO decisions and mandates, like Bill Gates. For example, the Gates Foundation and the Gates-funded Gavi Vaccine Promotion Alliance contributed over $1 billion a year. The, part, the WCH partners from Australia to Zimbabwe stand against this costly abuse of power and assert the sovereignty, sovereign right of people to make their own decisions over and above what their representatives may want. We urge everyone to approach credible government representatives, political parties, trade unions, civil society groups, professionals, public figures, and independent media to, quote, number one, raise awareness about the implications of the opposed global pandemic agreement. Number two, call for national campaigns to protect natural law and democratic constitutions. Number three, join credible civil society coalitions such as the World Council for Health. It's good for them for calling it out. Now, where is this all leading in, in individual places like Canada, United States? The same point. Here's the National Review pointing out what we all see happening and is happening right now across the world. Trudeau's government is now moving to make their expanded surveillance powers that have only been justified under the guise of an emergency around COVID-19 permanent. The financial, tr- the, the idea that they're now, that we already talked about this under the guise of the convoy. They use the convoy to justify powers over your financial transactions, whether you can use your card, whether they can pull your bank account. Well, now it's forever. Well, gee, who warned you about that? And who was called conspiracy theorists when they did? All of most of the independent media. When they said, well, this is just like 9-11. And they were temporary powers because danger, bad guy. And then we're going to make it forever. Well, now when you speak out against the white supremacy threat that they built by the, with the CIA over in Ukraine, that they're going to frame against you in Canada, the United States, they're going to censor you and pull your bank account because you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you don't have a, you don't have the democratic process to step in and stop that? Yep, exactly, because we don't live in that world. It's just it's alarming how obvious this is. Scot- Scotland too. Now the Scottish government has extended their public cons- consultation until February eighteenth, March twenty twenty two. They want to take away our human rights and make their emergency COVID powers permanent. Thank you, Scotland against lockdown, for pointing this out. Here's the bill itself. As it says, recovery and reform bill. As required under this rule, this policy memorandum is published. And it says the following other accompanying documents are published separately. Now it goes on to say the memorandum has prepared the Scottish government to set out the government's policy behind the bill. It does not form a bill. Oh, this part right here. The purpose of the bill is to embed reforms in Scotland's public services and justice system that, though necessitated by COVID pandemic, have delivered improvements for service users and improved efficiency. You know what that is? That's the Great Reset. Exactly. Oh, weird. These things we forced in to try to deal with COVID, they just so happen to be better for everybody. What do you know? Now we're going to make them permanent. That's the exact same thing. They want to destroy this or point out why these things don't work so they can reimagine them in their future. This is incredible. So Canada and Scotland are basically saying, we're going to keep this forever, exactly like we told you they would. And that should alarm the hell out of you. Scotland being one of the groups that pulled all of their data off the website because they don't want you to see it. I don't know. I don't know why that's not incredibly alarming to everybody that they are. You're going to misunderstand all the data. So we're going to delete it, hide it from you. Right. I mean, that's happening everywhere. I'm going to close some tabs real quick. Let's see. 
or I'll just do that. I'll just stretch it out so I don't accidentally lose anything. So what we're going to go to next before we finish this off is a little bit of information around the heart problems, the in, the forced side of this, the the reality that they're hurting people by doing this and they just don't care and it's obvious and they're forcing it. I mean, we've shown you this from the whole time. This is this is from March 9th, 2022. Mooresville family demands answers after newborn son, a newborn baby just born, vaccinated against their will. You know this has been happening. This has been very this has been happening. And by the way, in the UK, there was even examples of the nurses claiming that they had control of the baby once it comes out. But that was on video. So here is this is really happening. People are going in with their children and they're getting born and they're injecting them with this dangerous substance that is still hurting people because that's what they're supposed to do, apparently. Why how is it even allowed? This is happening, guys, despite the reality that we can prove, despite the fact that they themselves have admitted that this is possible. So you're giving a baby something they're not at risk from or a shot for something not at risk from that can 100% cause them to have heart problems. Can. I don't care if it's 1%. Why is that your choice to make? Here's Rare pointing out something as well. Thank you. They say it's Rare is a great account pointing out that this has happened. This is school physicals are now demanding People get screened for the heart problems that they're suddenly having out of nowhere. Here's the actual page. Orange County Public Schools. Sports physicals. Students who plan to participate in athletics programs now must complete a physical each year, which is always generally happening, but here's the new part. For the 21-22 school year, electrocardiogram screenings are required for high school students wishing to participate in athletic programs. And ECG screenings help identify athletes who are at risk for sudden cardiac arrest, which is the leading cause of death in athletics, they say. Well, that was never the case before now. Here's a really important point to make, and I'm going to prove it to you with their own studies. As of before COVID, this was a rare occurrence. Verifiably so. Here is the 2018 review from the National Library of Medicine, the NIH. A 10-year review of sudden death during sports activities says there were 201 sports related death adult deaths at an, a rate of 0.76 to 1.49 per 100,000 participant years now that was just in one location and just specifically adults the fifa one i've shown you in the past i don't think i have it up today shows you way more than that the point is nonetheless that is way 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 less than what we're seeing right now point is the exact opposite of what they just told you 2018, sudden cardiac death during sports is rare. Thank you, NIH. Okay, so let's go back. So suddenly now, apparently out of nowhere, sudden cardiac arrest is now the leading cause of death in sports, despite it being rare a couple years ago or four years ago. How do you explain that? I think you know how. Now, the point nonetheless is that I played sports my entire life. Never ever was I was I forced or even asked to take an ECG because I was a young healthy athlete well today they're trying to act like this is normal because they've given them things that are causing blood clots and heart attacks and they're just trying to cover it up that's my opinion I think it's very obvious ECGs will be required of all high school student athletes prior to the start of their year so that they can rule out this problem they're trying to cover their asses guys and it's disgusting can't be rare in 2018, and then suddenly become the leading cause 
of death in sports unless something changed. But they'll never address this. Here's real science again, real, real goodsciencing.com. This was updated a couple days ago. Let's see what it's at now. 772. Now, they tried to dismiss this article as having no evidence, which is just, I mean, that's the kind of pathetic opinion checks, which is what I call their fact checks that we get. Because as I've showed you a hundred times over, this is one of the most well-documented sites that I've seen. This is, I mean, this goes from the beginning of 2022 and documents every single one of those numbers. And then it shows you whether they're dead, shows you, and it's not claiming that they got it from the vaccine or died because of the vaccine. They're simply arguing that they got the injection and then died. That is it after the shot. Nowhere does it argue that they died for sure because of the shot. Because they're objective. And then it goes to cite every single link that you can read and check for yourself. Yeah, no evidence, they say. Maybe they don't understand what evidence is. I would even call this proof, personally. They don't care about that either. Proof that they died after the shot is all I'm saying. But you go down to the point where I show you every time, where they even have an entire section of a hell of a lot more links of people that they can't prove got the shot. But they did, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what it looks like to be objective. I, I can't even scroll. It's going to take forever. That's how many there are here now. So, over 700. Way more than their studies have shown. Now, here's the Toronto Sun going, hey, daylight savings may increase the chance of heart disease. Well, don't worry, because they just ended that forever, apparently. How pathetic. They are, they're calling everything into the sun a risk of causing heart disease. Now, on a quick side note, I did point to some referee blowing their whistle article and that what apparently that was fake and that was my mistake and I that was my bad I shouldn't have shown it I should have checked it but it's the same point as always guys these things are very obvious this is on Toronto Sun I'm not trying to justify it that was my bad and I should have made sure to check before I pointed that point at it just to explain it's one of those things that somebody sent me right before I went live I already had a bunch of these things up that were proving this exact discussion and I just tacked it on to the end it was my laziness and my fault I should have made sure it was real the point is, it's obviously what is happening. It's the same stupid argument. That day, daylight savings may increase your chance of heart disease. God, that's crazy. But but the one about the whistle apparently was fake. Because somebody got really upset with me because I pointed that. The point is, guys, it's very ridiculous and obvious they're trying to cover this up. Here's People Magazine. Blood clots like Haley Bite Beavers are happening in younger and younger people. Oh, gee, why would that be? Zero mention of anything about the injection even though they openly admit these things can cause blood clots. Think about how willfully ignorant that is. They're telling you these shots can cause blood clots. Here's an article going, gee, it's strange that these young people are getting more and more blood clots. Uh, who knows? We're baffled. Scientists are baffled by this. Think about how stupid that is. You don't have to say we know for sure, but you can be like, well, here's one example of what could increase this. Maybe there's multiple factors. Nope, doesn't even get into it. That's dis, that's dishonest. Andrew Boston pointing something very important out. Pfizer documents defended the side effect reporting system VAERS. When it first started, Pfizer said, yeah, VAERS is a robust system that is designed to detect safety concerns with vaccines. They said that in the beginning, back when they wanted to get out of monitoring side effects themselves. The, vac- the documents also show that VAX recipients were much more likely to suffer severe adverse events than placebo recipients. All this stuff is on the record. But think about this. So Pfizer says, yeah, we, but Bayer's is the way to go. It'll do, every, we, 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 it's robust and it works. And then once they start, every moment they dismiss it as unverified. Every one of them, including Pfizer. Well, here's the documents, as always, that they'll dismiss because we're fake news apparently, right? This is the document directly from Pfizer, and it says very clearly, 
optimal pharmacovigilance of vaccines. These methods ensure robust adverse event reporting, monitoring, and tracking of vaccine administration. These methods combined, and there's only two of them down there, are robust and support the fact that the addition of a suffix would not be necessary for vaccines. Basically saying, we don't need another system. We don't need more tracking because these ones already do the job. Here's what it says. The National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which requires health care professionals to provide a vaccine information set statement or a VIS to patients and guardians prior to administration. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's the first part, which, by the way, is also dismissed. That you go, well, we don't know for sure. They're just admitting it there. But the main part of it, it says, as well as Bayer's. So they're saying on the record that Bayer's is robust and is it, it works. So it works so well that we don't even need to monitor it for ourselves. How do you explain that? We all see right now that Bayer's is being dismissed every moment. And Bayer's is, it's, I mean, it's outrageous. 90 something percent of every single thing that's in there has happened during COVID. And it's been, it's been going on since, I mean, the year 2000, I think, if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong on that, but for years and years and years. So why is it robust before they start? And then once it starts showing problems, it becomes unverifiable because that was the plan, in my opinion. Sort of how the numbers that we're going to point out from you from the UK are, you know, verifiable of efficacy right up until they show the opposite, then they become fake news. That's how this works. I just can't believe people out there can look at this stuff in the face, you know, right, look at it, have this staring them in the face and walk away thinking we're still wrong. I don't understand it. The point is they're just not even watching the show. They've already made their mind up. Well, Moderna hits the gas as it begins dosing of second HIV vaccine. That's also happening. An mRNA vaccine as well as other ones. Why are they working so aggressively on all these HIV vaccines? Maybe it's because they're causing this in people's bodies right now. Immunodeficiency. Don't forget that H- HIV, I always do this when I forget the exact, I, was, I always think immunodeficiency. And then I forget it's human immunodeficiency virus. That's all that means. So people just think AIDS or they think specifics. They think when you talk about if like a vaccine giving you HIV, that ah, that's fake news. Well, all we're talking about is an immunodeficiency disorder. That's it. They've already proven that's happening to some people. So the question should be, why wouldn't you ask whether it's happening on a larger scale than they're admitting to? That's what we're calling VADES, vaccine-induced immunodeficiency. That's what this is. And that's verifiable. They're showing the immune system having a negative efficacy after three months of the shot. We're showing all the evidence from peer-reviewed science very clearly telling you people's immune systems are having, a, they're hurting them. I just, they just say fake news. That's all. That's done. Just peer-reviewed or not. So maybe that's why. Maybe there's more going on here. But the point is they're making this stuff now We, we have while they're hurting people with the current thing now. Moderna's announced Monday it's dosed the first patient in trial testing its second mRNA HIV jab less than six weeks after launching the human trials for the first one. A proverbial starting gun in the race for breakthrough HIV therapy. Working with Moderna and biotherapeutics, excision biotherapeutics. Moderna's second HIV shot, mRNA-1574, takes a, a different approach to the first by targeting HIV envelope trimmers. And I mean, the point is, guys, they were already working on this stuff before. This is the plan. The mRNA platform, the plug-and-play platform, they told you this. So ask yourself why they knew this would be the direction before it fleshed out. As even Bur- uh, the CEO of Pfizer is telling you, we didn't, we, I doubted whether that was the right path. Yet somehow they were already making va- vaccines for everything under the sun. 
because it was a they told them that was the path. Here's another study pointing out a lot of these things they're working on. This one is it, this is all going. It's a uh, recruiting now. Last updated the 17th, 2022. End date October 2023. HIV AIDS vaccines. This is a randomized trial for all sorts of different things. All of these numbers. BG505, all, all these different numbers, and all of them are HIV tumor, mRNA vaccines, and healthy HIV uninfected adults. Why in the world would these people need an HIV injection if they're not infected with HIV? You want to tell me that one? Because there's something more nefarious going on here about why, why this is being made, in my opinion. NIH launches clinical trials of three different HIV vaccines, March 14th. Now, where this ends, guys, before I finish with the UK data, it's obvious this is being built back up quietly behind the scenes. It's not even really that quietly. Here's China locked down a city of 9 million amid what they claim is a new spike in COVID cases. The same arguments we made about why we're trusting cases at a time when we know that's manipulated or can be, or it could be overshot because they're malfeasance or however you want to look at it. They've admitted all of this now. The same stuff we were censored for in the beginning has been openly admitted now, and they're still using the narrative. As I said, here we go. Just a question of whether other governments will follow suit, either out of fear, thirst for power, or simple ignorance. Now, it appears some of them are, in fact, already following suit. And that's my point. We've already seen this discussion. Here is the, oh, this is the point, Delta Cron. Looks like Delta Cron is back. Revenge of Delta Cron, right? I guess it just took much needed break while we focused on Ukraine. <laughs> it's a stupid. Like, we're really going to pretend that it just sat there? I mean, God, God, it's just ridiculous the way that they act like this stuff makes sense. So they found three cases in two and a half months in the U.S.? Oh, no, that's, read, read the article. I mean, it's fear-mongering. And by the way, it's, ver- it's completely un- unverifiable that they're acting like this is blended into one thing. I don't know why that even makes sense to anybody honest. Now here, the BA2, now we're on a different topic. Now we're on, here's my point, guys. Why should, why wouldn't we ask, first of all, we should, we should ask whether any of this is even really happening. On top of that, if this is what was actually happening, is it not possible that this BA2 is Delmacron or Deltacron or whatever? I mean, that's all they're saying is we just get a, 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 a gene dropout or two or three, or now it just shows a false positive. Therefore, it must be Deltacron. That's the same thing that happened with Omicron. They turn what used to be a false positive into a positive by saying, well, that gene's no longer there, which we used to deem false. Now we're going to call it Omicron. Could be, or it could be you just turn false into Omicron. But now we're talking about this new, quiet, dangerous version of Omicron. That's already there. There's all these different things floating around. New South Wales reports a huge jump in cases as this subvariant spreads. And this is the one they're saying is possibly suggesting it could be 40% more transmissible and what's missing there? Oh, that's right. More dangerous. Okay. So the very thing that seems to be even less dangerous than before is more transmissible. Isn't that what the experts are saying is what we would want? They just, they don't care. They just go, ah, oh, it's, it's going to spread. Could be, could be, could be. We're still saying Delta could be more dangerous still. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And here's the study. And here's my point. Oh, Delta Macron. <laughs> it's just for good God. These people don't even, they can't even get their story straight. The point is that they're telling you three cases in a cluster in South France. How'd they find that out? Using PCR testing. Seriously. That's the reality. That's the point. And we'll finish in this topic by pointing out that here's a recent study, reasonably recent, the end of 2021, the Lancet, respiratory medicine, the role of exosomes in false positive COVID tests. 
Read it for yourself. We explain why a very large, very large fraction of PCR tests are registering false positives. This is coming from the Lancet, guys. In vivo caused by exosomes that are not present in the specimens from tests in vitro. We discuss the fallout effects caused by false positives. They're still doing this now. We know this and it doesn't matter. That's because they know how to use this against you. Just like the New York Times reported back in 2007, the false, the epidemic that wasn't. They learned how to use this back then. Here is Wyon from India. British scientist says flawed PCR test mistook common colds, flu for COVID-19. March 13, 2022. Yeah, we told you this back then. So did a lot of other experts that were dismissed, censored, attacked. Flu and common cold and just having immune, being sick from before. All of it was registering positive. We know that this was an overshot. Think about all of these factors and how we know what that really means. Even with all these manipulations, we're still being shown it's not very dangerous. Think what this, this as Danny Rancourt has pointed out, this literally could be a complete fabrication. Now, when we look at the data about what it's doing to people to finish, guys, it just becomes more clear than ever. Now, I I don't know, to be quite honest, how many of you regard this process of me showing you the numbers. I sometimes feel like it's a little, people just kind of, their eyes glaze over when we get into it. I hope that's not the case because I find this to be very, very important. But I'm going to continue to do this because it continues to show you some very important things. The continuity of it's very important. Now, we're on week 11. Week 7 to week 10. So this is the week 11 report on top of the month report. Now, to do it reasonably quickly, I'm just going to go through the numbers. Now, I want you to understand that I've been doing this for a long time. Just on on this one page, it goes all the way back to the 14th of January, but it goes way before that. And we've been comparing them week to week. Now, I I, I want to download this on my website so you guys can access the the actual breakdown of the data, confirm it for yourselves. But for right now, week 317 is from today. So cases. As of this week, you could see little under a million cases. Now, still to this point, and the, the numbers fluctuate a little bit, but the, the same point is showing you how they continue over a long period of time to slant downward on the unvaccinated and upward on the vaccinated. So right now, 17% of the cases in the UK are people unvaxxed. 78% of all the people getting, getting sick in the UK are people that are vaccinated, injected. Now, just really quickly to jump down here to show you this. Still, look at how crazy this has gotten. And this is even as they jump to three doses, and it should be comparing it to two. Look at the actual risk. You want to see what the pandemic of the injected looks like? Take a look at the comparison here, guys. And what's weird, again, the only number they say is higher risk are the people under 18, the ones with the least risk of actually getting sick or dying or going to the hospital at all. I'm, I'm going to prove to you that this is a manipulation. This is how they're main, hiding everything, including dumping what's happening in the first dose down into unvaccinated and so on from every other fax, every other, you know, dose two and three and so on. The first 21, 14, 21 days, which is where most things happen, get dumped in the category from before it. And the most important one is that first shot in the first 21 days. Almost 80% of the problems, deaths, hospitalizations, all happen within 21 days. I've proven this to you in other shows. That is dumped down into unvaccinated. But look at the risk. With even with that happening, every single category after 18 is almost three times or more higher. These are a four to five times higher. Right now, if you are anywhere from 18 to 79, you are three to four times more likely to get COVID-19. Now, if we're talking about long haul, 
which is all they seem to care about in other discussions. Wouldn't that matter? Oh, you, doesn't that, doesn't it matter that you're ma- you're almost in guaranteeing these people are all going to possibly have it? We've already discussed how long haul has been shown peer reviewed science to be mostly psychosomatic. Despite that, look at this, guys. That's so that would that's why they're running from this. They don't want you to recognize this. And this is just the cases. That's a pandemic of the injected because if we're talking about spreading it, which we know they can spread and catch it like anybody else. They're the ones doing that. Right now, we should be protecting the uninjected from people that are spreading it the most, which are them. It's not happening, though. It's incredible. Now, going over back to uh, the numbers on the cases again. 78, which is up from 77. So it went up 1%. And un- uninjected went down 1%. So continually. In, at least in this one, it goes down and down. So the unvax continue to get less and less and less while the vax continue to get more and more. Now you could argue that's because more are getting injected, but that's not happening right now. The, the injections in the UK and everywhere else for the most part have all but stalled. I've been showing you the percentage. I mean, on that, on that note, I might as well show you. I did last week, last time I did this. There it is, 73. I think that's exactly the same percentage as last time, 73.3%. So the percentage does not change. However, the risk continues to increase for people with any injections in the body and continues to decrease for people that don't. There's no explaining that other than the reality that it's hurting people. Now, what's interesting here, I keep showing this, guys. This is, a, this is a, an illusion. Look at how many people they're claiming are getting cases in the under 18 category, 112,000. They are at the least risk of anybody of even getting sick. It's it's lower than the flu. One in a million under 19 for anybody dying. And yet they represent 65% of all the cases in the uninjected. That's up from 64. It's increasing, you're telling us? Guys, they're, that, they're, statistically speaking, that literally doesn't make sense. Especially when you compare it to every other category. That is how they're manipulating this right now. Dumping, I argue, a whole bunch of cases. I mean, just note of how many are unlinked, by the way, a lot. As, anyway, the point is, I think they're dumping these cases in this one catch-all category and just using that to manipulate the whole slant, the whole thing. And even then, still showing you that they're in more danger. Think about that. These people are at the least risk, and it doesn't make sense. They can barely prove over 400 hospitalizations in people under 18, and yet they're claiming 112,000 cases it's incredible. Now, could it be? Sure. But it does not add up. Now, boosted account for 57% of all the cases in the UK. That does not make sense what they're telling you. Now, over 80, guys, this is the most alarming part. And it aligns with what happened in the nursing homes. It aligns with everywhere else. 90% of every case in the UK in over 80 category are injected. 90%. And that's not, there's not, look, even if it was 90% of people over 80 that were injected, that's not what you would expect. If they told you the same percentage of people injected are going to be, are going to be the percentage of people affected, you wouldn't take it. Next category, hospitalizations. Now, can keep in mind the over 80 and the under 18 part? Because those are exposing this, in my opinion. Here's the next one. Same point. Look at, the, look at the comparison, 575, and you're telling me that you can barely prove over 400 in total from the entire COVID discussion. Newsweek exposed this. And yet, apparently more than that have happened just in this last month in the under 18. That's a lie. 
That's 100% a lie. If they can barely prove over 400 since the beginning of COVID-19, and they've already shown that mo- over half of them have been shown to be fake, people going with a broken leg, getting tested, leave, get called to COVID hospitalization. And yet there's more than that in just this last month. Guys, we are being lied to. That is how they're slanting the numbers. I am certain of it. But let's go back to the numbers. Hospitalizations. Only 21% of hospitalizations in the UK are people that aren't injected. 21%. Now that is up from 20, which was 20.4 last time. That went up to 20.5, by the way, which I rounded, which all these are rounded, at least on the percentages when it's above 1,000 for the most part. And to be clear, so it went up 0.1%. So they do fluctuate, but overall you're seeing a, a decline, the same pattern we're seeing everywhere else. And the same point, vaccinated account for 79% of all the hospitalizations. 79%. There is only 73% of people injected. 73. So you're seeing a higher representation of hospitalizations. This all exposes the reality to you, hands down. And that stayed the same. Now, boosted, boosted accounted for 63% of all the hospitalizations. That is up from 61%. How do you explain that? I thought the booster was saving everybody. Oh, we're going to the fourth shot now. So guess what, guys? Pretty soon you're going to see this altered to number four. You're going to oh, change it to number four. And they're going to hide how it's hurting the third shot more than anybody. And pretend because they just started the fourth one that now you compare that one, even though there's only hundreds of people that gotten it, right? It's, it's an illusion. 63%. Now, under 18 accounts for 42% of all the hospitalizations. Again, that's ridiculous. Without that fabricated number, this would be, a guys, this would be gone. This would be barely ex- even existing on the side of the unvaxxed. And it would be, it would be 99% of the unvaxxed. That's because that's what's happening. Now, over 80, 85% of people over 80 in the UK that are in the hospital because of COVID-19 are people that are injected. 85%. Doesn't make sense. When 73 or either I forgot the, I forget the number of only over 80s, but it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't even add, if it was 99%, that still wouldn't make sense. Now on to deaths. Now, remember, they break this down between 28 days and 60 days, and this becomes undeniable. Now, here's my point about the under 18. Suddenly, after somehow being the largest number, both hospitalizations and cases, it jumps down to 0.004% of all the deaths. That makes sense, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Now, you could argue, though, well, they're just uh, not as severe. Well, then why are they in the hospital? You're being manipulated. That's why. But 11%, 11% of all the deaths within 28 days of a positive COVID test are uninjected. 89%, 89% of all the deaths in 28 days who test positive for COVID-19 are people that have an injection. Boosted alone accounts for 77% of all those deaths. It's impossible to miss what's happening here. Over 80, 93% of over 80 deaths were injected. They're killing people. I mean, that's just my my opinion. But how do you miss that? How do we not look at what happened in the nursing homes, what happened in New York City, what happened all around the world and the UK and everywhere else, and we act like it was an anomaly, and now we're staring at it happening, and we act like it's not the same thing. You're hurting people. Now, finally, after 60 days, it gets even worse. 8%. 8%. After 60 days in the UK, 8% of all the deaths are uninjected. 8%. 0.001% are under 18. 
but somehow they're slanting all the numbers in hospitalizations. That's a lie. 92% of all the deaths of people being tested positive for COVID after 60 days are injected. 92%. (laughs) Good God, guys. I mean, just think about that. That, I mean, there's no way to misunderstand what you're looking at. 92% of all the deaths boosted alone. People that had three shots accounted for 71% of all the deaths after 60 days being tested positive for COVID. That's up from 68%. You're seeing a 2% increase from last week. Good God, this is, in, this is incredible. Over 80, after 60 days, 95% of the deaths are injected. This is this guys. This is there's a reason people talk about war crimes here, human crimes against humanity. This is unreal. I'll keep covering it for you, and I hope you realize how important this is. And this is exactly why, as Andre Damon points out, U.S. states are shutting down their daily COVID death reporting. Now, how much you want to bet that's never going to come back, even if they claim the numbers go back up, because they're running from this. Now, I'm going to keep doing this. Three hours and 11 minutes. I mean, that's better, to be honest. I thought this whole thing with how much I had today was going to, would, in the past, probably like a four hour, five hour show. I'm going to do my best to keep this down because I know it's important to help this stuff get out. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to occasionally do a really long show. I know a lot of you like that. But that wasn't terrible. And I hope this gets out. Now, for Star in general listening, let's make sure we get that one Azov part of it clipped out because I think that's really important. Let's try to get that out sooner than later. People need to see that this is not just something that we've been pointing at for months, but that it's, it's not new. This is publicly available information from from 2015, for crying out loud. They have been funding an army of neo-Nazis in in Ukraine that they already have tied back to the United States from the Rise Above movement. And and they already tried to lay that at the feet of the Russian imperial movement, despite zero evidence to back it up, as they're building Ukraine defense biolabs in in 2020 that are working on COVID-19 stuff. I mean, there's, there's a weird overlap happening right here, guys, and it's obvious that at the very least, you are being deceived. Just like with 9-11, just like with Pearl Harbor, just like with you, just like, I mean, everything you could point at, guys, and this is not an opinion. The same people that would scream, it's fake news, they're doing chemtrails, are now admitting they're doing it for climate change. It's a narrative shift. And if you can't recognize these things, if you haven't, and you haven't yet, I just, I can't even wrap my mind around how you're still going along with just narrative from people that have lied to you about everything your entire life. I really don't. Uh, someone in the chat saying, can they clip this? Absolutely. Guys, clip this out. Put it everywhere you can. I, I, as long as you put the link in the chat to the article itself, make sure people can know where to find the source links. It's not even about attribution. It's about people being able to prove what they're looking at. Because as we always say, that it, I will always put the source material. for. I mean, for even the small side things that I barely even point at. That's important. And if they, if they see a clip out there and they don't see that source material, they'll question if it's real. They need to see it. So please, guys, share this everywhere. I prefer, in fact, that you simply share Star's clips just because she's doing a great job on that. But if you want to make your own clips, I happily endorse that. So please get this information out. <sighs> I'll tell you guys, I've never just, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I, I, I'm wondering really strongly on my last point here, whether or not this is just as obvious to people as it was during COVID. And the propaganda push has been so aggressive that it's even fooling people like me to a degree. How many out there are seeing through this? I, I would argue most people in this country are going, okay, this does, doesn't make sense. I mean, that's why I jokingly said, even some of these Western press are kind of going like, whoa, wait a minute. Are we supporting these people? Like, guys, this is a little bit uncomfortable. Like, how, do we, how are we doing that? You know, I, I genuinely think that that's happening at some level. 
So we'll have to wait and see how they shift. I would argue we're going to see something dramatic. Unfortunately, that we're going to see Ukraine pull off something terrible that they'll blindly report as the way Ukraine frames it, and it'll be used to drive NATO to support Ukraine. In fact, to make them in, to, to to make them part of NATO, and they're going to blame this on Russia, the Russian imperial movement. I, I believe that's what's going to happen. I hope it doesn't go that way. I hope this goes so, quietly, dissipates back, and that we hold them accountable for their lies, but that it doesn't continue to increase because all that happens, regardless of who you believe, is the civilians on the ground are punished everywhere. And that's why I constantly point out the foreign policy of the government of this country, because they don't care about that. And yet suddenly you believe they care about the Ukrainian civilians as they're murdering people for agendas in every other country they frame, they claim they're liberating. It's as simple as that, which does not imply the other side is altruistic or good. It just simply implies that what you're being told are lies from people that are known liars. Thank you for being here today, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced.
will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. You can do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.